It's hard defending a whole galaxy with a mishmash of different species who don't know what to expect from each other. Sometimes, though, playing the right song is all it takes. I would have never believed it, but all species across the galaxy can be united through awesome melodies. War, what is it good for? Really does make people shut up and listen. There are a few tunes which have been we have to be careful with. Little Red Rooster is actually the equivalent of calling someone a domestic... A spe- some species of domesticated animals, and Black Magic Woman can make some magical planets really, really mad. We learned the hard way not to play when Johnny comes marching home anywhere outside Earthville. There was some character named Johnny who messed up a lot of planets, and nobody remembers him fondly. Something about sucking up all the input whole worlds could supply. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is episode number 127, Shepherding the Flock. I'm your host, Phil Willis. This would be your other host, Mike Minky. And I think I dodged getting a fever today. I don't know how, but it's awesome. Fevers and colds and all those other juju diseases we get this time of year, they're highly overrated. They're evil. Who rates them highly? <laughs> they are, wherever they are, they're rated too highly. Even if you rate them low, you're not rating them low enough. Agreed. Yeah. They're just foul. They're just absolutely foul things. And that brings us to our first guest tonight, the foul sorcerer himself, Mr. Scott Wakamater. So speaking of low ratings... <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some bad news for us, Scott? Did you rate something low today? Not today, but soon. Soon I will be telling you that adventures are bad and you should feel bad. Well, maybe we'll look to your other half to help lift us up a little bit higher. Miss Sam Marshmallow. 
but I'm not marshmallow anymore. You told me on the other episode of Backtrack that I could call you marshmallow whatever I want. Don't make me go back and play it. Fine. Ma, I win. Give up. So, so do you have any good news for us today, Sam? I'm sleepy. Hmm. Not really sure that's good news. Not getting much help here. I'm going to have to turn to the other person who's going to help us talk about our game tonight. Mr. John Stringer. John? Jonathan? Which one? Johnny Boy. Oh, there's another one. John Neister. I've taken a break from my uh, loving NFL watching to join the Mass Effect discussion today. Ooh, that is a sacrifice indeed. I know. I am proud of you, John. You're growing up so quick. I remember when you were just like this little teeny infant picture that I can see in Skype. Now you're just growing up. Never been described as little. <laughs> not for a while, huh? Nope, not for a long while. Well, you know what else isn't little? Mass Effect. It's big. In fact, it's huge. It's so huge that unlike certain other series, we had to talk about each game individually on its own backtrack. And today, we are talking about Mass Effect 2, plus all of its substantial DLC. We've also got a blast from the recent past selection. So hold on tight, lock in your seatbelts, and get ready to kick this thing into hyperdrive. We'll be right back.
and we're ready to kick this thing off. Mass Effect 2, developed by BioWare, published by EA. This was released on Microsoft Windows, Xbox 360, and the PlayStation 3. Originally released in January 26, 2010. This is an action RPG third-person hybrid game shooter doohickey. It really does say hybrid doohickey in Wikipedia. I don't make this stuff up. Wikipedia is good. Branching out in its vocabulary terms, I see. Now, I wonder how many of our 12 listeners are rushing to Wikipedia to see if it really does say that. We can make it happen. We, we, between the four of us, we can keep up a pretty solid edit war. Yay, edit wars on Wikipedia! Shoot. Alright, alright. Who wants to kick this off by talking about the story of Mass Effect 2? Depends. Do you want someone happy about it? <laughs> Ooh, wow. Uh, let's try the objective, uh, kind of the pie-in-the-sky description first, and then we can tear into your personal sentiments of how awesome it is. Yeah, because it's awesome. Mass Effect, it must be awesome. Awesome. Mass Effect, Mass Effect is awesome. Awesome. Let's see? All right, John. You want to talk about the story, John? Oh, I, I volun- got voluntold. Yeah, yeah. Because, cause, cause, you know, Scott was sounding like a Debbie Downer. Uh, let's see. We need that for the end. My only problem is some, some of the games, it's been a little while, they kind of run into each other. But this one, I believe you uh, kind of wake up after having been dead uh, somehow in between the first two games. And you're revived in this uh, medical facility and it's being attacked. And uh, actually, you're being attacked by like the own security system, I believe. And uh, this guy named Jacob tries to help you out. You leave. You meet another officer, and then this uh, uh, woman Miranda shows up and shoots one of the other guys that's with you. And you got to trust her, as she says. That's the guy who kind of sabotaged the whole thing. And you learn your uh, this human agency called Cerberus has. Uh, were the ones that revived you and created this Lazarus project to basically revive Shepard and uh, so they could kind of control him or use Shepard to their own ends and you meet the new big character in the game called the Elusive Man who's always sitting behind that burning planet uh, the wall, the glass wall or either it's a screen, I can't remember which of the big burning planet and basically you, you find out that the, what is it, the collectors are uh, used by the Reapers uh, to I guess that's how they they were made, and uh, you have to basically go and recruit a whole bunch of uh, former party members and other newer party members to assemble this kind of strike team to go into this quadrant of the universe and to stop some collector activity that's going on with the Reapers. So you go from place to place, you recruit your new people. Some events come up in the way. I'm trying to think of. I know you have to go to some research facility and you find some stuff out. And I'm trying to think what was the other. Basically, well, you every three or four guys, uh, party members, you you uh, recruit back to your team. A little event happens and you recruit some more. Uh, you have to get all of their loyalties up before the end in mission. Otherwise, some of them will die, and you gotta. Hmm? Or some characters will purposely kill them for you because they suck at everything. Hint, Miranda. <laughs> she does! If you let Miranda do things, she will, like, screw up stuff. Okay, you know, I think it'd be just a little harsh. Miranda seems like a sweet young lady. No, Miranda's incompetent. <laughs> you do meet some cool new characters, though. I, th- I like Jack. She's this kind of psycho, kick-ass kind of... Uh, I Criminal. can't remember... 
Yeah, criminal basically. And then you meet Thane, which is this uh, rich man, this sniper guy with a terminal illness. He has <laughs> and, uh, basically what fish cancer. Yeah, no, he like that. He has uh, he has salamander respiratory problems. Right. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. I just remember he was ill the whole time. But he's pretty badass, and his whole storyline's about his son. Yes. Yeah. So I think his son's getting becoming a criminal, and he's trying to stop it. Is that right? Because he's a good dad. Yeah. And then uh, you also meet Morden, which is one of the coolest characters in the series. I think he's uh, doing his research. Hmm? Leave it to Bioware to make you care about a war criminal. Yeah. <laughs> No, he's an interesting guy. Uh, and then you have what, Grunt? He's, uh, I think you don't necessarily get him, but he's kind of the, I can't think of the race's names anymore, but... Krogan. Ba- Krogan, right. He's like the Krogan replacement for Rex from the first game. Well, he's also um, made, you know, from a lab. Yeah. He's not a normal Krogan. He's a super Krogan. He's a super Krogan. And so. let's see, uh, you have Miranda, she's new, uh... Tally comes back. She's a good character that most people like. <clears throat> Garrus is uh, also back. He comes yep. back like Batman. Yeah, Garrus you get at the near the beginning, I believe. And um, him and Miranda and Jacob, I want to say. Yeah, Jacob. You have at the very beginning. Yeah, Jacob, you get really early. He's the first one. He's kind of like the Caden replacement. No, he <laughs> had something going on. Jacob has daddy issues and saluting. Yeah, daddy well, I mean, issues saluting, and then he becomes a baby, a baby daddy in the third game. I kind of mean, mean how uh, they they fight in squad there. The, oh, oh, the uh, the techie biotic hybrid class, yeah, okay. and the human one, and then um, I think down there Samara or Samara or whoever it was, uh, she's um, nine hundred years old and a professional. Yeah. She's she, she's a bounty hunter, knight errant. And after 900 years on the job, still hasn't realized the value of practical footwear. Everywhere. <laughs> High heels. Storming. Goddamn commando raid. Full of dudes. Still wearing high heels. Yep. That's right. Maybe she, she just it has took 900 years. Balance. 900 yes, years it took to, to be able to pull it off. It's 900 years of calluses, maybe? Yeah. 900 years of mastering the telekinetic ability to, just to keep yourself balanced on high heels and with that rack. Oh yeah, you also you have a new Normandy. It's a little upgraded one from Cerberus, and uh, it's uh, you have Edie, which is like the the ship's uh, artificial intelligence. So she's new. Oh, you also get the Legion. That's the other new character you get. He's a uh, Geth. So you get your first fully uh, uh, non uh, life form type character. You get a Geth. I'm trying to think of the right full, fully mechanical. And he kicks he and ass. Hallie hate each other so yeah. much, and it's very easy to screw up the whole section where you have to try to make them friends, because <laughs> you know, Geth, and the heck is Tally's race called again? Corian. Corians. Yeah, they yeah. don't like each other. They fight each other nonstop. Except for the part where they learn that they are the same. Not really, but that sounds more epic. But I think also there's some trap that the collectors had set up. That's why the ships disappear, and the elusive man didn't tell you about it. So that kind of starts setting you at odds with him, and Shepard starts disobeying him, and they're not really friends anymore. Um, Cause you, it, and it makes such perfect sense. It's not this gaping goddamn plot hole. No. No, sir. Not at all. 
<laughs> Casey Hudson is an excellent writer. Everyone, everything is happy making time in RPG backtrack land. Scott's going to scream in a minute, just so you know. I'm gonna blow out your, I'm gonna blow out your mics. Everyone has been forewarned. You, you know, either know now or you will learn the hard way. I can see a, another return of the Amper stands in the second show in a row. <laughs> it's allowed. What happens? We'll see. But if, if, if I'm ready to start the rant, unless you have any other plot points you want to go through fast. Yeah, the ending. I guess you uh, once you get all the transponder you need and you get all your characters' loyalty up, you go and you attack this uh, planet or area that the collectors are creating like a human-reaper hybrid. And uh, I think uh, Elusive Man wants you to like save the area and sterilize it or keep it clean and kind of set it aside kind of get you get the alien vibe there where they're, they're trying to come in and use it against them uh, or you have the option of destroying it and going against the elusive man And uh, I, went you... elu- I went against him because the elusive man is a total douche canoe yeah. and you I mean he's kill voiced this... by someone really awesome though but he's a douche canoe you do have to kill that human reaper baby thing it's uh uh well, I guess whatever you want to call it. It's not fully formed yet, and it pisses off the Reapers, and so that makes them attack from Mass Effect 3. And uh, depending on how you did and what loyalties you got up and what tasks you assign your different crew on the, the final assault, uh, some die, some don't die. Uh, for... how, much money you're willing, how much time you're willing to spend uh, in a really boring minigame so you can upgrade your ship so people don't die at random. Yeah. Everybody right. loves scanning planets. Yeah, okay. everyone complained about the Mako in the first one, so they replaced it with planet scanning, and I wish the Mako was back. Honestly, the Mako's the better choice. I think so, too. Because planet scanning is so tedious. It was, so it was not too, too bad at first, but I'm like, oh, after like the second or third, I got, yeah, I got really tired of it. One minute. But uh, that's basically the story. It's kind of has that Final Fantasy VI Part Two vibe where you, you know, collect all your members back again after they've gotten scattered. And you go and you assault the thing, in a way. That means Mass Effect Three must have an entirely different vibe. But uh, yeah. yeah, you you weren't here for the first part of Mass Effect, John. So no, I missed that. Is there anything you'd like to say about the first part right now before Scott begins what I sense is going to be a massive rant? I really love the first one, and uh, it might have been my favorite of the three. It's more RPG ish. And it kind of sets the the tone and the world up and everything. And I mean, I like two as well, but uh, I like two because a lot of my favorite characters are in two, and uh, some of the side quests and just the the, the continuation of it. You know, uh, I, I like some of the more RPG elements of one, two. They kind of go more of a, a the you know, it's, it's there's kind of a slider between shooter, you know, first person shooter, third person shooter, and RPG, and it kind of slides a little more to the action shooter and less from the RPG uh, in the second, third game. I still really enjoy them. So, focused, keeping the focus on story, I guess we have no choice but to ask Scott his thoughts on it. <laughs> All right, guys. So I'm gonna start hold, by hold saying, on, hold on, let me buckle myself down for this ride. Okay, nice and secure. But buckle in, maybe dial down the volume a few notches, because I'm, I'm I'm pounding the haterade right now. <laughs> the haterade, ha! <laughs> oh, yeah. Vodka and haterade. Oh, I wish I had some vodka tonight. So, I will start with this. This is a very smart third-person shooter. However, as a Bioware RPG, it's really dumb. It does, however, manage to do the thing Bioware games always do, right? Which is characterization. 
which is why a lot of people cut it a lot of slack. However, this game opens with you dying. You loot, your ship is destroyed, your crew is scattered. Within 20 minutes, that doesn't matter. You have the exact same ship as built by a bunch of guys who couldn't keep a research facility going without it going haywire and murdering everyone. You have the same pilot, the same doctor. You put together all the crew you wanted back from the first game. There is no cost to Shepard's death. You could have had him uh, fall asleep for two weeks, and there wouldn't the game wouldn't be different. You then spend the entire time on, on a series of magical, life-changing field trips for your crew to then uh, go off and defeat... Uh, a tertiary enemy. These guys are raiding colonies on the fringe. The, they are, at best, uh, a proxy for the Reapers, the same way the Geth were in the first game. You gain nothing by doing what you did in the game. You didn't learn anything about the Reapers. The Reapers were still coming. All you've done is annoy one guy and assembled a team of people who are now mildly functional thanks to your efforts, except that won't pay off in the next game, because all but two of them will join you again. And PC Gamer called it the best PC game of all time. Well, it, like, totally is here. I'm looking at meta. I mean, Wait, we're talking, like, a 96 out of 100. Who PC Gamer, or was it a collective decision by the entire publication? I would assume it has something to do with the editorial. I'm guessing the staff was polled. But for that matter, this game is not a PC game. It is a Amberstand. console shooter, and anyone who's played the PC version can tell. The field of view is terrible. Everything's designed on a single interact button. Yeah, it's definitely more <laughs> console feel. I played them all on the 360 because the first one only came out on the 360 at first, so I wanted to keep my, uh, continue my storyline along. But I imagine it does. It's more... Seems you know the UI and everything is kind of set up for console. I mean, they give you a hot bar in the PC version, but it's uh, it's still very much like the the fact is you you can't uh, you your characters can only fire off one skill at a time. Um, in Mass Effect One, you could kind of cascade things across the board where you could use different skills, and they all had their own individual refre refresh rate. And now it's one refresh rate across the board. You don't have to manage as much. It's there to be uh, simple and straightforward. Um, hell, you know what? You know what really drives me nuts? You have to buy gas. The first game you were exploring, it was very Babylon 5 and Star Trek-y, where you were running around solving people's problems, investigating space mysteries, and now you can't do that because you have to buy gas. Your, your exploration is launching probes at Uranus while Edie makes stupid jokes about it. But 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 I need gas, right? To run my big spaceship and stuff. I need to stop at a 7-Eleven and squeeze the spaceship hail, right? is fueled with gas? <laughs> We're still <laughs> using gas that far in the future? That's the most efficient fuel device? <laughs> you know what I mean. It's whatever, whatever. Applied flibitonium. You uh. buy it. Oh, dilithium crystals. Sure. Yeah, you have to you have to stop at gas stations regularly. I bet you buy hats and bags of chips that cost twice as much as they should. And Grunt keeps asking to use the bas bathroom because he's like twelve. You are not describing something that I would find enjoyable, Scott. But you can occasionally. 
But honestly, the, the the most genius thing they did was they invented a button that lets you kick people out windows in the middle of monologues. Hmm. So story. So they, they go into space and decompress. It's it's a skyscraper window, so they just kind of fall oh. down half a mile. Do they die? I'm guessing that guy died. Okay. I'm going to assume that he did not. You, make you it. never know. There might be some alien species which is specifically evolutionarily enabled to withstand. Oh, fuck, no, no. Oh, of course he's the best hope of humanity. So let's revive. Him, spend billions of creds reviving him. Here, this is the other thing. You get brought back from the dead, not because of anything from the first game, but because you were the protagonist of the first game. The Martin Sheen insists you're special, but he never gives a reason. It's just you're a beacon for humanity. It hasn't. It doesn't have to do with anything you did. You're just there to be the special. You're the chosen one. And Hero's Journey bullshit. And you know what? And then he goes and throws you into a trap that he knows is a trap to prove something. Ah! Yeah, the death thing was kind of unnecessary. They probably could have done the story better without it, but... RP Gamer and its affiliates are not responsible for what might happen to your eardrums during Scott's France. Thank you. Did we lose ya? No, I'm just... <laughs> you're, you're just decompressing, right? I'm just gonna sit here and seethe. I... I think that makes sense. Your displeasure is palpable, and I see where it would come from. That would not make me happy. I wanted a game where I was exploring space and helping people, and now I just do what Martin Sheen says, no matter how stupid it is. Can you toss him out a window and reenact the departure? The departed? No. You don't even get to do that. You don't... You, it's a whole other game before you get to even shoot him. <laughs> oh. Oh, one more thing. New alignment rules. So, before, in Mass Effect 1, intimidation and persuasion were skills. You sacrificed combat ability to be able to get discounts on, you know, d- discounts on weapons and upgrades, and got, and maybe the ability to talk yourself out of a situation every now and again. Save yourself some med pet med packs that way. And now it's entirely based on your alignment. You and your alignment only shifts based on your conversation options, which means that in order to be the most effective at problem resolving, you have to answer the same way every single time, no matter what you or the character you're trying to portray through Commander Shepard might actually think about it. You just keep hammering down on the red button in the hopes that by the end of it, you'll be able to yell at everyone into getting along long enough to do the flowchart end of the game mission, to learn nothing, to gain nothing, and then to motor off and wait for DLC to come out. Hmm. This this sounds almost... You know, your feelings on this almost sound a little disparaging. Now, I've been watching a lot of WWE wrestling lately, and what happens is when one of the bad guys, not saying you're bad, one of the good guys, it doesn't matter, one of the guys goes on one of their rants, you know, we have to interrupt you halfway through with some theme song music, so we're going to do some theme song. And then we introduce Mr. Apps, who has another point of view. And you say, Apps comes in and he says, well, hold up a minute. Hold up a minute. Scott's been telling us that Mass Effect's story isn't super awesome, Mr. Apps. What do you say about that? Uh, I would say that its story is awesome to the extreme. All right. There you go. Slam dunk. Boom. (laughs) 
I'm I'm in the in between. No one roots for faces anymore. <laughs> you're right. No, that was you're right. Every time John Cena comes, I swear half the crowd boos at him. It's great. Wait, it's half now. Awesome. <laughs> it's always hard for me to tell. It seems like they all boo at first, and then some of them start cheering when like the second part of his song kicks in. Or something. it's really weird. It's kind of creeping me out. I mean, if it's like if it's like Daniel Bryan, they all cheer. They all get up out of their chair. But whenever it's Cena, yeah. Uh, Roman Reigns, they cheer. Cena, no, no, not so much. It's like mixed. It's just like a you know, cacophony of of just noise now. The cheers and the boos just kind of outdo each other, and you just don't even know if, what they're doing for him. I think I think uh, Bray Wyatt gets more cheers than Cena does. He does, which is kind of creepy. Anyways, uh, we, we should uh, save that for the final lap. So uh, about the storyline here. So so Scott's Scott's making me kind of concerned here because I mean a great example he started off with was how in the first part of the game or the very first twenty minutes of the game, I guess uh, it seems like um, your ship gets destroyed and people uh, die or get lost or whatever. But in 20 minutes, it doesn't matter anymore because you got a new ship and you can get all the people back together again. And it's like nothing happened. Oh, no, no. Every, cut, every time you meet someone, it's like, you work for Cerberus. I can, I'm not sure I can trust you. I'm like, how do you know I work for Cerberus? Further, I haven't you yet. Stop slapping my wrist for playing the game. It's like you're... It's like you're Grabbing me my arm and hitting myself and telling me stop hitting yourself. Fine, I will. I'll uninstall this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, my husband. <laughs> but you know, no, no. But you know what? I, I am going to give it a little bit to Sky here. He's absolutely right. It seems kind of stupid that every character comes to say, "Oh no, you're working for Cerberus," and it's like. One, how do you know? And two, why does that matter? Because you're going to join me anyways. Like, hey, you're not just cons- dead. You're concerned that I've talked to Martin Sheen. Yeah, no, and even worse. Even worse is when you recruit anyone from the previous game, so Tali and Garrus, you know, and they're they're just like, oh my god, Cerberus. Meanwhile, it's like, you know I died, right? Yeah, I was dead. Like, Thanks for being so concerned. Glad to see you too, buddy. So, <laughs> so stuff like that. Actually, really- point to Garrus, Garrus for not really caring. Actually, he's no. just like you're alive. Tally did, and you kind of want to smack her for it, as much as Tally's yeah. adorbs. Um, it just seems really stupid, and it, it is something that I think I know for me personally, it pulled me out of the game a little bit because it was kind of like I know this shouldn't matter, but I I don't get how they know, and I don't get why they give any you know some fucks about it because it doesn't even concern them. Like that's the worst part is you belonging to Cerberus and you doing things for Cerberus has no impact on these other characters. None. But they make it such a big deal. Ineffectivists, but terrorists. Oh, oh, whoopee doo. I'm working for terrorists now. Like, they they just, it doesn't make sense. Anything, so let's move on. It just, it it didn't make sense at all. Wait, are these terrorists or freedom fighters? They're terrorists. They're terrorists. Actually, no, they're just incompetent schmucks. Like, I, I mean, I'd arrest them for attempted terrorism, but it's hard to prove they have an anti-alien agenda when their entire body count is humans that have died as the result of R&D gone wrong. Yeah, that's that's not really terrorism. That's more uh, Acme Labs having another day at the factory where Wally, without Wiley e. Coyote to test the product, so people die instead. Like, honestly, they probably just have a... They'll probably just slap him with a bunch of OSHA fines and leave it at that. <laughs> 
I don't know. I just the holes in in the whole story just kind of it makes it really frustrating to enjoy. I like, like I said, I like the loyalty missions because there are some aspects in the loyalty missions that are interesting. Um, except okay. Miranda's. Miranda's is still really stupid because hers is like, I have a sister, but my sister hates me, but I want to be friends with her again. It's like, Miranda, your sister clearly knows you're incompetent, and that's why she doesn't want to be your friend. Okay, now I will say another nice thing. Legion's loyalty mission, the choice at the end, that was brilliant and beautiful. That was a real ethical question that wasn't just... that. You know, this was the first time in a big-budget RPG that I felt that I was not choosing between Mother Teresa and baby eating. There was what was, what was there. that choice again? Trying to uh, remember. You, do you uh, destroy a bunch of... Um, the get, there's a fragment... There's a fragment of Geth, a segment of Geth, that have had their code corrupted by the Reapers. Now, you can overwrite that code, effectively brainwashing an entire nation of people for what uh, is argued. Yes. Or you could blow them up. And you can sit there and ponder this, and you, we could have a whole hour-long discussion about what that means in a number of contexts. And it doesn't matter because I picked the red one because I needed enough red points to yell at Tali into playing nice with everyone at the end. And if you don't have enough nice points, Tally dies. It's true. Because that's what happened to Scott, and he was really, really angry. And <laughs> he was more—he was more mad at me afterwards because when I did the suicide mission, nobody died, and he looked at me and he was—he was like, "Bitch." Okay. Okay. <laughs> and there's me going, "I'm awesome." To send her out. Unfortunately, there's no one there to play Amazing Grace like you're supposed to when you're launching people out of a spaceship in a sunglasses case. But there you go. You know, that story was believable all the way up until Sam said that Scott got angry. I can't see Scott being ever an angry person. <laughs> the guy is the personification of pacification. I mean, come on now. He really did call me a bitch in that instance. I'm not joking about that. But I think that was more of my dumb luck than anything else. <laughs> it's like, look, honey, everybody lived. What? <laughs> and me going, yeah, everybody lived. Isn't it great? He's like, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't let Miranda do anything. <laughs> Good well, the worst part is, in that whole ending sequence... She I keeps just... <laughs> volunteering for shit. Yes, she volunteers to do everything, except that you know you always have a better person to do each job. Like, my final party was Jack and Morton. So, you know, when it's like, okay, hey, like, make sure we can get out of this place. Who are you going to send? Miranda's like, pick me! I'm like, Grunt, you go do that. Um, you know, oh, we need a biotic to get through this whole section. And Miranda's like, pick me! And I'm like, Samara, that's your job, because you're the best biotic I have, and I'm using Jack. <laughs> and, like, she does it repeatedly to the point where it's like, lady, if you have to volunteer this many times, clearly nobody has faith in you. <laughs> so you should just give up. <laughs> what can she do? Uh, whine, complain, and look really sexy in her really skimpy outfit. Again, high heels, practical footwear for combat. Let's face it, other than Commander Shepard, no woman in this series wears practical shoes. Actually, no, Jack wears practical shoes. She doesn't wear a shirt, but she wears practical shoes. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Jack's maybe, sure. maybe she just gets hot easily. I don't know. That, that's... No, Jack, Jack actually is attractive. That's the thing. And She's the most attractive character model in the game. Which is sad because 
of who Miranda's modeled off of. Well, the, the Jack was also is a very attractive woman as well. It's just that uh, whoever was in charge of the art for um, Miss uh, Swarovski uh, just dialed up the jawline for some reason. Yeah, Miranda has a huge jawline, and she looks like she has snaggle teeth when she's talking well, to you. That, she does have a gap tooth. Oh, but I didn't again, know that. And usually yeah. gap tooth to me is attractive, but the, it, the the jawline does not help in this case. Yeah. I'm generally yeah. okay with that. Making the gap tooth worse. And and also, Samara has the biggest boobs you'll ever see in the galaxy. Holy crap, those boobs. I think she's actually tied with um, Carrie Ann Moss's character. No, man. Samara is just... Like, when you see her do her flippies and move around, you're just like, how are you not hitting yourself in the face? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Mastery, man. Telekinetic mastery. Wait, 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 wait. I remember in the first Mass Effect, when you leveled up, you could put points into things like diplomacy skills and stuff. Can you put points in her diplomacy and her chest get bigger? No. Because <laughs> that helps her interactions with other people? No. Oh. Like, well, you, the thing is, not every person gets Samara in the game. Like, you can get Morinth instead. It was like, let's put it this way. Next vampire daughter. Yeah, you either get her vampire daughter or you get like the really calm pseudo Buddhist mom. So I know Scott, you got Morinth when you played. Yeah. And she just wanted to have sex with you a lot. She's a sex vampire. She's a sex vampire. Whereas if you get Samara, like she just wants you to meditate with her sometimes and maybe like get her tea and stuff. Like she she's pretty easygoing and kind of looking at her just like, how is that your kid? She goes, oh, she rebelled at a young age. Okay. So I, I do like the characters into. I like some of the ones that have been introduced. I can't complain about them. I just, oh, the story. <laughs> Morden's amazing, though. Like, his plotline was really interesting, and it had to do with genocide and kind of cool. Genocide in games. Always a tough topic. Someone else talk. <laughs> his story is easily the best part of the game. See, I Also, all of his dialogue. Well, yeah, mm. like, what I mean. The characters are great. The dialogue is great the giant gaping plot holes where stuff doesn't make sense, that, that's not acceptable. I'm sorry, like, especially when the first game is incredibly competent in how it weaves its story. It's not perfect, but yeah. everything makes sense! <laughs> in two, there's these giant holes that you kind of sit there and go, uh, what? And huh? And what's the point of me doing this? Okay, because I have to? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, but Commander Shepard is supposed to be the greatest badass in the galaxy. Ress? Yes, 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 right? Why is she following all the stupid things that Martin Sheen says? And they're really stupid. Like, you can't tell me that half the stuff he asks you is at all intelligent in any way. And makes any sense. Lovecraftian killer robots are on their way, but a handful of colony worlds disappearing really matters. It's like, I, I could have a super team put together to stop these guys or learn something of value. Or I could just sit around and, you know, learn nothing. I'm telling Dude. you, the way that you collect characters in this game is basically setting yourself up for Power Rangers, and that's a little disconcerting to me. Just saying. Like, I'm not going to lie. I would actually almost say I like Mass Effect 3 better than this one. Better? Yeah. Actually better. Um, and then there's these special DLC characters that you get that are also horribly Pointless, and you wonder why they bothered other than to give Shepard a pretty dress. <laughs> oh, I like that one dude. I can't think of his I, name. Oh, Zayde. I like the Kasumi mission, but Zayde was just kind of like, oh, I'm gruff and old. 
Bigfoot and sound kind of like Michael Caine. Hey. That's all we got. <laughs> Zaid's benefit is that you get an awesome scene with him in three with a pinball machine. <laughs> it's the crane game. It's the I'm crane sorry, the game. crane game. And that was awesome. In Otherwise, a, in a- in space future where half the population has telekinetic powers, the crane game still matters. You know what? Crane games are fun, okay? They make you angry, you still sing some quarters in. That's how it works. Maybe everyone is just asked to refrain from using telekinesis to keep the rules strong for everybody. <laughs> I just, I get frustrated when I think of all the things in the main quest that the game makes you do, because... When you play other Bioware games, and I'm going to say games like Jade Empire or Dragon Age, a lot of what you do makes sense, and a lot of what you're doing is inherent to the plot, your choices matter, and the game expands in a way where you're like, okay, this makes sense. What I'm doing has a logical process to it. No logical process here. And that infuriates me, because you know when you're playing a Western RPG, you feel like things should matter to you. And I felt that playing Mass Effect 2, I was more angry than anything else. Like, I can't say that I enjoyed every single mission, because I didn't. It's like, when I did the Tally story, I liked the Tally story. Why? That made sense. The Legion story also made great sense. Mm-hmm. Miranda's was stupid. You can't oh, tell me her was good. Miranda's was stupid, because Miranda is an incompetent git. Moving on to Grunt. Grunt? kind of interesting, but then it kind of falls apart because at the end of the day you're asking, where the hell is Rex? Oh wait, oh. if you were Renegade, you murdered him! Honestly, for Grunt, he reminds me of Worf. That is but an not like, comparison. But not, like, but not like good Worf from like season 5 or anything on DS9. Like, season 2 Worf, where he's kind of just always on the verge of turning into a puppy. Like, hey, he, he, hey. he spouts off about honor and warrior awesomeness, and then, you know, runs in head person, does something dumb. Like, I'm he, sorry. He's Grunt is totally a puppy, and that's what makes him adorable. Because you kind of just want to take his little tummy and give it a little scratch like a bulldog does. Because if Grunt was to fall down and land on his back, he couldn't get up. See, my comparison of Grunt being a bulldog is better. Yeah, <laughs> I did just learn that um, it's uh, the the character designs for uh, for Krogans were based on bats. It's a bat face, not a frog. Like if you look I at it, be, I think it should be a bulldog, but that's just me. Because bulldogs are little turtles, and they can't get up when they're stuck on their back. They have to be flipped over. Um, just like Krogans are cute. Krogans are my favorite race, I'm not gonna lie. As much as I wasn't, like, in love with Grunt's storyline, I like Grunt as a character. He gets some pretty snappy dialogue. Thane's story just made me sad, but I was more sad in Mass Effect 3, so point to Mass Effect 3. I don't know. And, And Jacob, well, I had sex with Jacob in this game. I had some really good romance drama in Mass Effect 2, actually. Like, I had some real drama llama, and I, I loved it. Like, I had sexy times with Jacob, and then I did the the DLC where Liara comes back, and she was all like, you cheated on me, and I was like, lady, you weren't around, you ditched me, so I found somebody else, and then we had makeup sex, and it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, Jacob's oil condition, that was also terrible. Well, wasn't his all deal, his was daddy issues. Well, no, but here's the thing. It's not that it, he has daddy issues. That's fine. That's that's character drama 101. The fact is is that you go into it and you encounter humans who have been who are have been dri- driven crazy by 
the uh, atmosphere, the atmosphere itself, and you just shoot them, and it's not a big deal. You just shoot them down. In Mass Effect One, there was this whole thing where you had to people who were also driven crazy by alien spores, and there was this whole thing where you could take them out non-lethally with special grenades, or you could just mow them down because they were really easy kills. And now it's like, oh, no, nah, shooting them's fine. What else? Well, let's face it, you're kind of, we're kind of comparing apples to oranges just a little bit, if only because you're talking about Drew Carpetian's writing versus Casey Hudson, and there's a clear winner. <laughs> Here's the other thing. Guess what? Apples are non-spheroid and crunchy, and uh, known, known for sweetness and uh, a little bit of tartness. Oranges are a citrus fruit, completely spheroid, and known for acidity and also sweetness. I just compared the two, and guess what? Oranges are better. Except the dogs. Yeah, well, dogs don't get to vote. <laughs> That's probably for the best, anyway. I don't know. So. I just, I'm just not into it. I mean, I want my space adventure to be sexy. It wasn't. So you really you really just hope Garrus Senpai notices you is the whole story. <sighs> Clearly I was looking for Farscape and I got Andromeda. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, uh, that. Wow, that's a low blow there, Marshmallow. Wow. I'm allowed to give low blows. I really do. I love you, sweetie. <laughs> He's not going to tell me he loves me back. It's okay. Just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just high five. Uh, and, and and sorry, I was gone for a little bit there. But when you started talking about all the cool sex you were having in the game, it was good for me. It was so good for me too. Just listening, I had to go get a cigarette. So <laughs> <laughs> feeling much better now. Thanks. Sorry. Are, are you all? Is all the tension gone now, Phil? Are you ready for the week ahead? I'm. I'm so ready. I'm so relaxed right now. You know what? I'm sorry, but Mass Effect does great drama llama for those of us who only play these games as a giant dating sim. Speaking not of that, there is fighting in this game, or so I've heard. Um, yeah, you, you walk up and you shoot a dude. Animal. I had to learn to aim. That kind of upset me. <laughs> and my only concept of aiming in video games is crotch and kneecaps. <laughs> so, actually, this game worked well for me. <laughs> The, the weird part was is you couldn't really aim powers anymore. They'd just lock onto the nearest target. I miss being able to drop a singularity where I wanted it as like a battlefield effect for guys du- ducking around, and now I have to pick a guy to spin around. I liked it, because it meant I didn't have to be good at it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Kind of reminds kind of reminds me way back in the day I'd played the gold box D&D games and when you put a fireball when you placed a fireball spell you could place it exactly where you wanted to so a lot of times that would be an empty square because that was the you know there's enough enemies around that empty square you get the most of them but then I played later on I played Shining Force Shining Force would only let you center an AoE spell on an enemy you could only pick from the enemies you couldn't pick an empty square and oftentimes that meant you missed a lot of bad guys because rarely was one bad guy directly in the middle of all of them. Evil. That's what it sounds like to me, what you're describing, Scott. Yeah, it's pretty much that. You, you, your tactics have really shrunk. I mean, the, the, the only major addition is that if you hit a guy with two powers at once, the second power explodes and is slightly more awesome because of it. It's handy. I want to know why John and Wheels like like the story and stuff actually because nobody cares about the combat the combat is shooty shooty <laughs> mcboom and that's um, about it well, explain the, wheels 
the main plot has plot holes, and you know what? I don't really care because all the character stories are awesome, and at the end of the day, it, it made me actually care if any of them died in the stupid evil giant robots from the far reaches of space story. So, did you yeah. kill anybody? Did I kill anybody? I'm not in this Scott one. I don't. Pally. All mine survived. That's why I'm well. trying to remind uh, you. Scott killed. Uh, oh, I'm Jack there. died. Oh, <gasps> yours yeah. is worse. Yeah, we can't be it friends. was bad. We can't be friends. <laughs> I think more died, but then I went back and made different choices in the last mission. No, 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 no. Is, is Jack? Is Jack the pilot? Yeah, she did. No. That's Jack. Yeah, she didn't even die in combat. She died uh, uh, while flying in because I didn't get a ship upgrade or something. Jack's the bald girl with uh, like the straps. Who looks like GI Jane? You killed GI Jane. I'm sorry. Wait, I didn't mean how- to. You How killed one of the hot girls. You? I mean, it's one thing to let one of the boring-looking guys die, but you let one of the hot chicks in the game die? Seriously? Come on, dude. Why did you kill, like, someone lame, like Miranda? I wasn't trying to kill her. No, I mean, you could have you could have done better by getting rid of Miranda and keeping Jack alive. Well, I mean, I kind of tried... I thought you were I, better than that. I kind of tried to kill Miranda by making her do... Uh, in charge of something, but instead it just got other people killed, so yeah. Whoa. Apparently I need to so, apologize to you because apparently I sounded like I was ripping you a new asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I still love you. I'm just very disappointed. I'm sorry. I thought Jack was kind of boring. Wow. Well, so, wow. The truth comes out. Now we know why she really So, uh, John, what, what's <laughs> your stance on Jack? <laughs> you only oh, know there's one answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> Wheels has the wrong answer. Just nodded smile. Nodded smile. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you guys can't have me on these shows very often. You know, and you thought Scott's rant was bad. You heard Jack. Love of my life that I wish I could have dated, but couldn't because I was not manship. I mean, I did feel bad. You better. But not bad enough to load up a previous save and, you know, do better. Oh, oh my heart. I was about to say, you don't sound very remorseful. (laughs) My heart. It hurts. Ow. Excuse me while I just go sit and cry in a corner. Continue, have a conversation. I mean, by comparison, I reloaded a save and made sure I didn't kill Rex, so... Okay, we can be friends again. It's fine. Okay, so there you go. I guess we can be friends again. And and that was with like trying to finish Mass Effect One as quick as possible because that game really annoyed me. We can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> Think you should stop while you were ahead there, John. No, that's Wheels. John, John, and I are fine. We love each other right now. He's, uh. he's not in trouble. <laughs> And Scott, well, he's always in trouble. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Husband, so it's okay. Mass Effect, Mass Effect One was slow, and it made my Xbox sound like it was an asthmatic. Okay, that's different. Awesome. That's different. If it made your machine chug like Thomas the Tank Engine, that I feel bad for. Okay. Uh, no, don't mention Thomas the Tank Engine. No. I <laughs> <laughs> did the no. baby into Thomas the Tank Engine. I know the all the lyrics. Hey. <laughs> Hey, hey, I got a question for you. Can we build it? Yeah, that's Bob the Builder. I, you know, it all blues together after a while. You know what, I have, Phil? I have Why never do you even Bob know it, Phil? You don't have any children. It's a pretty catchy song. Came on YouTube one day. 
you know? I mean, when we were kids, we got, are you ready to go to Sesame Street? Oh, I, I wanted to, to, like, slip my wrist after listening to that song. But but nowadays, they get, like, rocking songs going, can you build it? Yes, we can. Oh, my God, it gets stuck in your head. My wife's like, turn that up. <laughs> just go, like, go Power Rangers. Yeah, I mean, geez, these kids just don't know how good they have it. Man. I mean, for the record, I love all of you. We're just having a very heated discussion. <laughs> about kid songs? Woo! About Mass Effect 1 sucking and Mass Effect 2 being awesome. And oh, see, Mass Effect 1 is awesome. Uh, yeah, see, John gets it. Well, I liked all see, three of them, so... Well, the the best thing for me was when they released that digital comic book you could do instead of Mass Effect 1. I'm just gonna sit here and cry. Sorry. You're saying so many blasphemous things. What? So uh, uh, that, that game was not not uh, blasphemy. From a technical level, it was not um, very well put together. Now let's let's just get this straight, John. You had no technical issues with Mass Effect One, correct? I don't recall any. Fair I didn't enough. have any. So yeah, if a if a game is making my system sound like a washing machine that is overloaded, I can understand not thinking too highly of it. Turn up the volume. <laughs> if it really sounds like a washing machine that's overloaded, I'm going to have to make, get it really, really loud and probably irritate the neighbors. <laughs> anyway, that, that is a reason why he probably feels some of what the things he does about it, and I can't get behind it. Not a fan of the combat either. So, even, even though I like Alpha Protocol, which is kind of like basically that same sort of combat. Say, you ever say any? You ever say anything mean about Matt, uh, about Alpha Protocol? Oh no, we're really going to have words. No, don't do not worry. That will not happen. The only but I was aiming right at him, and I still missed. That's so raw. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, I'm assuming, Mister Apps, that you feel better about the combat in Mass Effect Two. Yes. Please elaborate. Uh, well, if we ignore for a sec. A second, any um, Mass Effect One versus Mass Effect Two difference in combat discussion, because that's kind of a whole different thing, you know. Depending on what you want from a shootery RPG, um, the shooter mechanics are kind of your basic uh, uh, cover-based third-person shooter controls that all work pretty well. Uh, cool powers to use. Um, let me think. What else? You have ammo now. You have ammo now, yeah. Which, um, as far as... From a universe perspective, was kind of head-scratching. Here's the thing. Like, you'll run into cases where, oh, this facility's been isolated for decades. But, oh, they they have ammo lying around for the guns that shouldn't have ammo. Whatevs. (laughs) Yeah, but if we apply logical stuff to video games, I think very, very few would actually pass the test of things I'm, like I'm just that. looking for consistency within the franchise. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah, that's that's understandable. Um, I'm not really on board with the ammo decision, because as far as combat in 1, I thought uh, from that perspective, it was fine. I didn't really get the need to change that. Well, that was the whole overheating of weapons thing, right, in the first one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but other than that, I enjoyed the enemy design. I thought the powers were cool. Uh, leveling up was a bit weird. In uh, that you were four levels, four ranks in anything. 
Yeah. And five whole skills to choose from. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the whole thing is Mass Effect 2 uh, very much lightened up the RPG elements. Uh, I found it a lot more entertaining to actually play, uh, although I definitely missed a lot of the character building there. So, uh, I'm not- I missed upgrading guns. As much as it was a pain to sort through 800 gun upgrades, I kind of liked being able to pick stuff. And now yeah. I don't pick stuff. In fact, yeah. the ammo mods are now taking up a skill slot for half the characters. Yeah, I mean, it they, it took out a lot, and I thought that would bother me, and yet, you know, I had a lot of fun playing it, so I can't, I can't really explain that. And I don't really know that if it had deeper RPG elements, if I would have enjoyed it more. So, uh, definitely RPG light is Mass Effect 2. Even just armor colors. Like, you, you can pick your character's armor colors, but you only get two options for your other characters, one of which is just black. <laughs> you can have any color you want, as long as oh, no, you color. You can send EA $4 and get a third costume for four different characters, none of which will fix the massive hole in Garrus's armor. Yeah, speaking that of sounds e- like a great use of $4. Speaking I know. of EA, I wonder if that is the cause of some of See, uh, no. the changes for this game. Yes and no. I believe firmly that they did push it to a more mainstream audience by slimming down the RPG elements. But I think the problem is less direct. I don't think it's John Ricitello walking in and telling people to be dumber. I think it's they came in and said, all right, we're going to double your staff, um, move your core writing team to Texas, and you have two years to make a sequel to this. Go. I think they're basing it off of a lot of complaints and uh, feedback. Sure. I, I think they went too far from the feedback, though. Like, I think they went from, hey, it's kind of a chore to keep everyone upgraded for armor and weapons, to let's not let anyone upgrade armor or weapons. <laughs> Driving around the Mako is boring. Let's give you an even more boring mini game instead. Yeah, that mini game was pretty lame. Yeah. Although, at least less time consuming than driving around the. This- the stupid Mako? I don't think it is, because uh, you could only land on, like, one or two planets per system in Mass Effect 1, which limited... And you could only drive around a square mile, and the radar gave you a pretty good clue of where the interesting stuff was. Here, you had to zoom in on every planet and spend about four minutes going around looking for all the resources to probe. Until you ran out of probes, and then you had to go back to the space gas station to buy more probes. Because that's what exploration in the game is all about. Backtracking to buy more gear. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how Lewis and Clark charted America. Uh, yeah, well, so, turned around and went back to France <laughs> several times to make sure he had enough stuff to uh, settle Quebec. I never found I had to do it a ton, though, whereas in Mass Effect 1, there are several forced uh, usages of the Mako, which were definitely the worst part of that game for me. I didn't really mind the Mako. Once uh, you kind of... I kind of got a hang of it, it really bother me. Yeah, there's a feel for it. You you get into it. There, there, the, the, feel of, uh, the feel of probing is just sitting there and spinning counterclockwise. Yeah. 
but it's basically about the gameplay and the story. What else is there? The music? Music is awesome. Uh, this is um, the first one led by, I believe it's Jimmy Hinson, who is part of the Wall of Sound team. And he's just a cool guy. Um, he, he He's also an OC Remix kid, so, and one of the better ones at that. Oh, cool. Uh, check, yeah, check out... Um, what what What's his actual webs... Uh, his handle, uh, his handle for remixing his big giant circles. He is uh, there. There's some damn fun stuff going on. I think I've actually listened to some of his stuff on OC Remix. Uh, he was uh, part of the team on the Sonic Augmentation album. He did uh, the one that was actually partnered with uh, the, the original Deus Ex composer. Oh, cool! Yeah. So, anything else? What happened? What happened to Phil? Uh, he's playing Dragon Quest. If you listen carefully, you can hear him selecting things on the menu. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I'm just so relaxed after my my session with Sam that uh, I'm just <laughs> chilling. Okay, uh, DLC, I guess? Yeah, DLC. What's up with the DLC? I didn't play the DLC. Were there four <laughs> DLCs or more? There, there were five-ish, okay. I'll say. I mean, I guess uh, I got to the point I beat the game, and I was like, ah, I'm done with that. I didn't want any of the extra DLC to play for, like, 15 minutes. Uh, right, some were longer than others. Um, we've alluded to two already, which is uh, the Zaid and Kasumi characters, which do come with their own loyalty missions. Uh, the Kasumi one is actually really good, because uh, you go out and do a mission that isn't shooting dudes. You actually get to talk to people and do some se- sneaky stuff. You're, um, it's a, uh, you're, you're robbing a criminal mastermind's private vault for all his stuff for revenge and uh, you know you, you get a cool Kasumi has a couple of tricky little abilities that are kind of fun to play around with if you're into paying attention and babysitting a character <laughs> like that's the thing is uh, I think I think the techie classes needed more babysitting than was strictly necessary but uh, you also get a nifty submachine gun out of it so if you're so if you're a biotic, you get a, you actually get a gun that's worth using for a change. Um, Zaid, um, he's the character you get if you pre-ordered the game or bought it new, uh, or you can pay EA ten dollars because used games are te- evils. And he comes with uh, Britishness. Yeah, he's very uh, Mick. Yeah, he's just there being all British and grumpy. Uh, the next one was Overlord. Which plays more like Mass Effect 1 in that you have a space car. This time it's a hovercraft. And you can run around and explore planets in your hovercraft and shoot dudes. And then you find a Cerberus research facility where they plugged a guy into a, an autistic kid into some geth. And then he got loose and killed all their guys. Like, yeah, that sounds special. Uh, it, it sounds like Tuesday for Cerberus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that one's actually really good because um, it's a little it, it's actually science fictiony as opposed to just SF shootery. You get you, you know you get to do stuff. You get to learn some more about the Geth and have a crazy cool Tron sequence, and you get a car, a space car that is not terrible. <laughs> so in your opinion, was it worth it? Was um, the DLC worth that, it? Overlord how, much, 2 was, how much did you end up paying in total? 
Uh, I think I bought most of them. Uh, I, I paid full price for most of them, I think, and I I don't I didn't regret Overlord. The other I think one my is, Zaid came with uh, the edition I got. Yeah, I think Zaid. A lot of people got Zaid and kind of forgot about him. <laughs> uh, the other DLC is Lair of the Shadow Broker, which is uh, really good at showing off just how good the character writing can be. Because you are assigned Liara the entire game, which means they can have very specific banter. So there's a lot of fun back and forth going on while you're running across a spaceship shooting robots, and then you beat up the Shadow Broker, who's a character they mentioned in the first game, and he sounded real cool. But then you meet him, and he's uh, uh, he he's just a boss fight. Like he's a really boring boss fight who doesn't say anything. He just he's a weird monster, and he yells at you and as a shield, and then you shoot him. So, good riddance to bad rubbish. Good riddance to bad rubbish, but you kind of, like, there's a big chunk of Mass Effect 3 to, that doesn't quite make sense if you don't play it. And <laughs> then love that. When, love when, love when the optional content turns out to be mandatory if you want to make Not any sense of... Content. The, the, you have to pay to play it content. Or, yeah, the... the the extra surcharge mandated content. Yeah, and the last one was Arrival, which uh, you know, you know, you know what's awesome when you design a a squad based shooter, you know, and you build your mechanics around having three guys bouncing around and controlling each of them. You, let's take away two of those people, and you spend <laughs> the whole, with a tacked on stealth section with no, not one single viable, useful stealth mechanic for your character. <sighs> yeah, so you are Commander Shepard infiltrating a facility that's been taken over by uh, Reaper-indoctrinated scientists, and uh, it turns out, oh yeah, the Reapers were still coming, like they said they were at the end of Mass Effect 1, and you have to blow up an entire sol- solar system to stop them. So you do. And that's technically the last thing that happened in terms of continuity for this game. Yeah. Does Does Mass Effect Three have any stealth segments that show that things were learned from this? No, I think they learned that they should never do stealth again. <laughs> well, that, that in, it, in and of itself is a learning thing. So well, we can just simultaneously to this, the other Bioware team was developing. Uh, a Dragon Age 2 DLC with horrible stealth with a horrible stealth system. <laughs> At least that Maybe. one had some, that had some mechanics attached that might make it worthwhile. But it's like no, stealth is a very specific thing. Don't do it if it's not the whole point of your game. Maybe somebody in in the Bioware offices lost a bet somewhere and had to come in one day and say, uh, "Everybody, craft a stealth mission into whatever we're doing right now," because uh, I. I can't go and face my my mother-in-law without it. Or, I don't know. We could probably come up with a very interesting story for this. I'm sure it's something like a Dishonored sold really, really well. Do you think <laughs> we Dishonored in it? And the answer was, no, we can't even be as good as Dishonored is. It's, they, they, they're problematic. See, that sounds realistic, but it also doesn't sound as entertaining as what we could come up with for why this exists. Too bad. Yeah, but no, definitely don't spend $7 on Arrival. <laughs> the price points on the Mass Effect DLC was all over the place. It's like a lot of 6 and $7 things. So if you bought all of it, then EA thanked you very much. That they did. 
And I suppose I should ask, did anyone try to start this on the PS3, considering Mass Effect 1 was non-PS3 for a while? I think yeah. it actually turned out okay on PS3. I didn't yeah, hear I anyone it. complaining about it being some sort of horrible, god-awful brokenness. No, it's actually very smooth. I eventually switched to the whole trilogy on PS3. Well, there you go. Someone got that uh, cell architecture to work in a port for once. <laughs> well, hey, the uh, actually... Um... Dragon Age on PS3 turned out really well, too. Is there something EA knows that a lot of other people didn't? It's a good question that I have no answer to. <laughs> oh, were the fonts any better in the font? Was the font size any better in the PS3? Because I think I, I remember trying to play Mass Effect 1 and 2 on a standard def TV and not being able to read anything. I think that was an issue with uh, several games like that. They're made basically for HD TV. I don't remember if PS3 fixed that or not. It's a problem with a lot of PS3 games. I found out when I took my PS3 over to my mom's house when she only had a standard TV. Even wrestling becomes nigh unplayable. <laughs> because, yeah, the text is really hard to read. Alright, so there was that. Um, voice acting in this game is really solid. I think they turned out a really good cast for everything. Uh, a few, a little bit of stunt casting from uh, the movie world, but like like I mentioned, Martin Sheen. But I think Martin Sheen plays the character they gave him pretty well. He was smug and contrived, and it worked. Yeah, you can't really complain if the actor delivers the performance that he's supposed to. I mean, like I, I imagine someone else would sound less charismatic while being a tool. So yeah. <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss does a better job as a as a purple lady here than the entire Matrix trilogy. Well, here she doesn't have the the soul sucking Keanu Reeves to deflate all attempts at acting, so maybe that had something to do with it. Who knows? Maybe. Whoa. 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 I know kung fu. Medieval butthole, you killed Ted. <laughs> hey, that 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 was his career right there. That was awesome. That was the best role he ever had, and he he nailed it. Nailed it. Um, um, you, you've got Will, William Sailor Sailors. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He he's Doctor Morton. He does things. We like things. Anybody else of note? Um, I'm actually I'm trying to look. They're not. They, I'm not finding. There's not a really great resource of just the cast. Maybe IMDb can help me out better. Uh, okay. This, According this is, to IMDb, the the user rating for this is nine point seven. Best game ever made. It was a well received game for the most part. Ah, I see Seth Green was in here. Yeah, he came back as yeah. Joker. He's in all three. I see Keith David. Also in all three. Uh, his role is really small in this one, and it's a shame. Oh. Yeah. Shame how bad his role was in Mass Effect Three. I see Adam Baldwin. He's he's a one mission character. Okay. He's still he's basically Adam Baldwin in it. You can't ask too much more when you're only one mission. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, Michael Jim Hogan. Cummings. Well, Jim Cummings is a must for a Bioware game, but Michael Hogan, Salt High, is the chief of police on the Citadel. I should watch that show. You should for three seasons, no more, no less. That dramatic a drop off, huh? Well, it, it's a it's a slide. Like it, it's not a pit, 
but you can very clearly point where it's like, okay, this is season four, and that's season five, and then it picks up a little at the end, and then it's like it it varies from person to person in the finale. I think it kind of worked. It kind of worked at the end, but I'm in the minority that way. Well, is there any other main points before we ask the most important question of all? Oh, um, I, I'm, I'm all ranted out, guys. <laughs> John, no, uh, right. no, not really. I think I got my points correct. You know, if if you played Mass Effect One, you kind of know what you're going to get with Mass Effect Two, despite you know what the changes we've mentioned. So it really is kind of a continuation, and it's a planned trilogy. So I'm sure we'll have more of the same with Mass Effect Three. Yeah. Planned trilogy. <laughs> They planned the hell out of this, these games. You can tell. Hey, uh, Sam? Sam, run away? I don't know what happened. It's all right. There you are. Hey, uh-huh. Sa- Sam? Yes? Okay, so we're, we're ready to wrap this up, and we need to ask our panelists the most important question of all. After we get done talking about a game like this, there's one question that really is on every listener's mind, and that is, and I'll start off with Sam. Sam, were the jiggle mechanics realistic? Sure. There are no jiggle animations. No, there isn't. Bitch on display. No jiggles. Okay. All right. Maybe I was joking there. Was it worth it? Is it worth going back and playing? It's okay. Well, there's a vote of enthusiasm. <laughs> Scott. Um. You know what? I, I already held up Mordor. That. That's what he's gonna say. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Scott, what's your opinion? What's your bottom line on this one, bud? Nope, I, I can't endorse it. Even the things it does right, um, I everything else, it, it doesn't hold together as a complete experience. It has its moments, but uh, the whole is less than the sum of those parts. Mm. Mr. Uh, Stringer? Oh, yeah, you already know my answer. I uh, really enjoyed the series and couldn't wait to play each one and kind of you know, some RPGs I, I struggle to finish, but these I just, you know, come home, kept wanting to get more. And Mr. Apps? Uh, I say absolutely it's worth playing. I just think uh, my advice at the end of the day is the overall plot isn't really going to hold up all that well, but all the character stories and all those interactions are great, and you know, at the end of the day, you're probably going to actually care if some of these characters live or die, and not a lot of games can do that, even ones with better overall main plots. So, so I would, it would have absolutely taken how recommend long that. to go back and uh, save Jack. Just curious. Uh, uh, I plead the fifth. Okay, but but you cared that she died. No, he didn't. <laughs> we know that answer too. Okay, Sam answered for you. <laughs> All right. She read your mind. Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> Still love you. Maybe. We'll see. So, At least you're laughing. That's the important thing. So two thumbs up, two thumbs way up, one thumb way down, and a meh in between. Well, uh... No, like, I agree about the characters and stuff. I cared about these characters. I just... I get mad because sometimes I think there are YA novels written better than Mass Effect's main story. YA sequels, even. Yep. <sighs> well, 
We're going to, on that note, we're going to take a tiny break and we'll be uh, right back with the final lap. We're going to talk about a game that has an incredibly deep story that blows the entire Mass Effect trilogy right out of the water. That may or may not be sarcasm. We'll be right back. That's that part of the show where we pick out a game that came out about two years ago. We pull out our backlogs and we tell you whether or not it should just collect some dust, get used as a coaster, or it's something that you should brush off and play. Or if you haven't bought, maybe you should run out and buy it because now it's probably on Super Sale. And the game in question, the one that I assured you had a super deep storyline, is Torchlight 2. Developed by Runic Games, distributed on Steam. Perfect World, Runic and Runic Games website, I guess. This was released on Microsoft Windows platform, no, September 20th, 2012. A single and multiplayer action RPG that had the unfortunate circumstance of coming out around the time, I want to say right before, a little bit before Diablo. <laughs> you mean Diablo 3? Yes, Diablo 3. I'm playing Diablo 3 right now. I don't get the hubbub about it, like, at all. I think it's a really incompetent game. Oh, for the love of Pete, that's a whole other discussion. Let's talk about Torchlight! I didn't play Torchlight, so I can't say if that's an incompetent game either. Well, maybe you should play (laughs) it and then you can... It's kind of the better version of Diablo 3 at this point. Like, some balls got dropped. Okay, okay. I don't actually know, I'm just saying. Right now, I think Diablo 3 is boring the shit out of me. Okay, we can have a Diablo Royal Rumble during the final lap. That's what that's for. This is Torchlight time. Stop taking attention away from Torchlight. It's well, to be heard. And this is exactly, this is exactly the thing with Torchlight 2. It's forgotten. Because no one's still playing it today. Go up to your friends and they're either playing Path of Exile or they're playing Diablo 3. No one's still playing Torchlight 2. I'm playing Borderlands. I don't know what what's the heck wrong is with Path Lands. of Exile. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> that's a pretty awesome game too. The story in Torchlight Two is so deep that I have totally forgotten it. No, it's 
I, I there's something is about it non-existent. You, you know, it's something about the Ember Bride coming from the heart of heart of Ordak, evil beings, corruption. Blip, who cares? Wait, the heart of Hordak? The, yeah, the like and She-Ra? She-Ra, right? I mean, come on. Okay, maybe they don't have the H, but I pretty much subconsciously put the H there every time I see Orjak. So I'm thinking She-Ra. She-Ra, she Okay, anyways. <laughs> now you got the song stuck in my head. Stop it. She-Ra, She-Ra. Uh, yeah, yeah. And here All I right. thought you were saying that older cartoons didn't have good theme songs. No, the, the old. we were talking preschool. We were talking oh. pre- preschool ages before. All right, so, <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. In case you don't know, Torchlight Two is an action RPG in the similar vein of Diablo, and I don't know where some other big action RPGs. Path of well, Exile. No, it's not. It's not a, it, it is not a action RPG. It is a third person looter. Uh, you know, Wikipedia says action RPG, and Wikipedia well, is never wrong. It is action, but action is kind of like a very broad. It's a it is a subgenre under even action RPG. It's more like a. It's kind of like a hack and slash dungeon crawler type yeah kind of an isometric deal kind yeah. of, these were the kind of games that in my for for me anyways took over gauntlet many years ago diablo basically spawned though this this distinct style I think. yeah maybe we should just call them diablo style rpgs since diablo, diablo clones of, diablo clones yeah there we go the point is people call them diablo clones and then i felt bad for the guys who make torchlight and path of exile and i was exile and i was like we need a better name for that so they don't feel like they're just spending their lives ripping off Diablo. Yeah, but th- weren't the guys that made those actually developers from Diablo that branched off and wanted to make another Diablo-like game? Mm. Pretty, I think pretty sure most, a lot of them were. Mm. Yeah. Some of them, the ones that didn't make Hellgate, London. But I was yeah, like, no, that we work for it. And the word we made up was the third-person looter because it's in third-person and you loot. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. So, uh, so very similar to Diablo games, you're gonna go through randomly generated dungeons, explore, kill off a metric crap ton of monsters to get experience points and whatever loot they're running around with, which tends to be quite a bit. Um, very much, uh, carries over the, the same gameplay as the first game, um, but you're gonna get to the overhit, the yeah, but there's more places to explore. It's a, definitely a longer game. There's day and night cycles, weather effects, um, the UI is a lot different, and there's a whole bunch of little tweaks underneath the hood. Uh, the classes are also in, in different, and not only are they different from, uh, you know, Torchlight One, but they also, I don't know, they almost they they all had like a different flavor than what you would see in a typical fantasy RPG. Like for example, the engineer. So this is basically your knight or tanky character, but he's an engineer. And uh, he's a heavy. That's there. So he's your heavy melee fighter who wears all the armor. But he lo- he's got this steampunk look to him. Uh, you got the uh, the outlander who uh, looks more like a nomad, uh, using uh, ranged weapons and some uh, some magic. There, uh, the berserker is your frontline fighter. He he he's very cartoony looking and just looks like he wants to rip your head off with his teeth. Uh, what last- for you like a truck? What's that? Is his love for you like a truck? What does that mean? My love for you is like a truck berserker. No, no, Bueller. Clerks? Yes, clerks. Hmm. And then you have the Ember Mage, which is your spellcaster. Um, 
I guess it's different than just calling a plane a wizard or mage. Ember mage. Um, one of the interesting... Important. What's that? Specialization is important for a wizard. Yeah, well, what's interesting in this game is where Diablo 3 clearly, you know, is trying to, to, to buck some trends there by allowing you to respec anytime you want. Uh, Torchlight 2 stuck to the old school guns and said, you're going to pick stuff and you're pretty much going to get stuck with it. Uh, you can uh, you can undo the last few choices you made for a cost, and it's not cheap date. And even that will only get you out of the hole so deep. If if once you're you know far enough in a tree, you're pretty much stuck in it. So that's I guess for some people that's a big turnoff because there's some people who who kind of feel that the fact that you can just um, respec on the fly, a la Diablo three, means that there's no consequences for the choices you make as you're leveling up your character. For somebody like me, it's funny. Uh, you were ranting earlier about how you don't like to play games for spreadsheets. I, I don't like being locked into choices that I feel like I don't have all the information I need. You know, I had to make those decisions intelligently. Um, well, it's sort of like you know, in Diablo two when you couldn't. You'd, you'd feel pretty awesome playing the assassin with all the fire traps until you got to the last to uh, act four, and then you're like, oh, this is all worthless. I guess I'll just start from the beginning. Right. No, you're exactly nail on so the head. So I guess Phil doesn't really care for Path of Exile too much then, huh? Uh, that's it. That's a that's a great subject for the final lap. Uh, so <laughs> y'all are just dying to get me off my beloved torch, my my not so beloved. Anyways, um, you're yeah. you're completely indifferent torch. Indifferent. Team, Thank like. you. Yes, you're you're actually right, Mike. Um, the game is very very uh very beautiful, bright, colorful. Think uh kind of like one of the Warcraft games. Uh, high contrast, uh, cartoony style um artwork that will probably look you know, just as fine five, ten years from now. Um, and it handles having lots of enemies and stuff on the screen all at once. Uh, there's lots of loot, uh, and there's lots of... Standard will be 4K resolution. Will it work? Probably. Because, you know, the thing with these cartoony graphics, like, you know, at least for me, when you play games like Borderlands or, let's say, World of Warcraft or Torchlight 2 versus something with more realistic graphics, it seems to me that, yeah, I can go back and play some of those older games 5, 10, 15 years ago, later, and it doesn't bother me nearly as much as saying going back and playing a game that was trying to do realistic graphics 10, 15 years ago because of the higher resolutions and stuff. They just look so much more incredibly out of date. But cel-shaded and cartoony stuff just seems to hold up better. I can go back and play Dragon Warrior 8 on the PlayStation 2. Not just not trying to say it's Val, uh, what's it, uh, Valkyria Chronicles, but you know the the difference in my mind, anyways, between that and let's you know something more realistic is much smaller and much more tolerable, palatable, whatever word you want to use. At least for me, everyone's different. Um, Anywho, uh, so uh, th- th- there's lots of loot you're going to get as you're going through these guys, and you can do all kinds of things to your loot. Uh, you can, of course, sell it. Uh, of course, you want to equip the better pieces, but you can also uh, randomize it, <clears throat> buy random loot, spend your money basically on the Wheel of Fortune, and just get all kinds of random stuff. Uh, pretty much the standard, standard, I guess, uh, Diablo stuff that's going on these days. My problem, aside from the fact that I didn't want to commit to anything, because you're right, Scott, that was my problem playing Diablo. Is like, oh, man, it was really kick-ass until this act, and oh, I didn't know this was going to happen in Act 5. Oh, i got to start all over. Oh, wait, I have a life. Um, that's kind of what happens. I, I just felt, you know, I didn't actually hit that wall in Torchlight, but that gnawing possibility was always in the back of my mind, robbing me of potential enjoyment, at least in my mind. And well, I'm 
I do have to give some points to even Mass Effect 2 and uh, Borderlands, where there is a monetary cost, like the in-game currency. Uh, will You can spend in-game currency to respec your character, which is probably the best way to go about it. And, and in Borderlands 2, it's actually the rarer currency of the game, um, Illyrium ingots, which it's like you're giving up on... You're, you're giving up inventory space to do it. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and that's... I, I agree with you. Um, that's actually what I even do in my pen and paper games. I have a very rare currency, and you can either spend it to improve your character or you can spend it to a respec. Um, so, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I, I just don't like the... The, the games that don't give you the old old school games that don't give you the option a, at all at least if, if you're going to be that way then your game should be balanced to where just about any approach I take in my character development I should be able to win the game at least win the game I'm not saying be a master at least let me win the game um, anywho the, the problem ultimately with Torchlight was that it was good it was a good game you can go back and play it today you're, uh, it's very beautiful by the way when you're just killing things with all kinds of spell effects and stuff but you know later on Diablo 3 came and Diablo 3, when you're playing those different classes, it just felt a lot more solid. So it stuck with me a lot longer. And I put, ultimately ended up putting a lot more hours in Diablo 3. Now I'm not a big, what did you call them, loot-based RPG? Sin looter. Sim, yeah, what you just said. I'm not exactly a, a big looter fan to begin with, but uh, ultimately I think I put in close to 100 hours into Diablo 3 before I retired it the first time resurrected it again with the expansion um whereas torchlight my wife and i played it for about 15 to 20 hours didn't even get all the way through because it really is beefy so i'm just checking now because i'm gonna be like uh so torchlight at the moment is three dollars on gog because they're in the middle of a massive sale (laughs) but normally it's 15 dollars which i'm guessing you can't match for diablo for a while so there there is that to consider yeah it definitely you know it, it, it comes across as uh it definitely comes across as a poor man's uh diablo but that's not meant to be a put down it it, it is a good game um but um it, it's like yeah if that's if money was an issue you could get torchlight too and you're definitely gonna get your your money's worth for that uh, amount that you pay um because you're right diablo 3 i mean diablo 3 is probably still they're probably still asking jeez yeah Ooh, yeah, that, that's still a bit pricey. And you really need to get Diablo 3 now with the expansion, which I'm sure makes that game even more expensive. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sh- check prices on that just for the sake of discussion. And yeah. does... Oh, of course they don't. It's not... I can't buy it on Steam. Why would Why would Steam stock a Blizzard game? <laughs> Diablo 3 is 30, right. and... Uh... I think the expansion is like thirty, thirty-five right now. Hmm. So sixty, sixty-five. Still, still, uh, definitely for more both. For for both, and you're really gonna, really gonna want both. Uh, I suppose you could just get the base and be be happy with that for a little while. But uh, yeah, you're gonna eventually want to get both. Maybe we'll have a discussion about that in the final lap. Anywho, so my recommendation is if you either are short you on have money to play every hack and slash looter or you got to play every hack and slash looter you could do much worse i have played you know definitely worse at torchlight much worse uh but uh it's so of the ancient war yeah what but, was a terrible third person looter sam and i played oh but if if you want to do yeah i would i would place uh, diablo 3 i would place path of exile i would place uh the various marvel x-men legends 
Um, yeah, I would place just about all of them above Torchlight for one reason or another. That's just my opinion. When in doubt, Borderlands 2. Or Borderlands. <laughs> there you go. For something a little more first-person perspective, but essentially the same thing. All right. Well, well, they've, just got, they've got sharper writers on that game. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that too. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. All right, we're gonna take a we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk. <laughs> Apparently, our panelists have a lot of things on their hearts and minds this evening, so we're gonna wrap this up with the final lap in just a moment. wrap this up with the final app this is where we read your comments tell you what's coming up next just chit chat about what's going on in our worlds and the such and we did get a few comments now uh through our last show which there hasn't been a lot of time for people to leave comments so it's not quite as many as normal um well yeah so nix says that i really love the music selections picked for this episode awesome job peeps on the show oh wait <laughs> Yeah. Now, because of that selection, I have to find some way of cobbling together a compilation of the music of New Vegas for Sam's mom. <laughs> to it on her iPod. Wow. Wow. Oh. I have to buy her a better MP3 player just so I don't have to deal with iPod bullshit anymore. Like that. That. That's where I'm at in my life. It's like I will continue to maintain your music curate. I will curate your music for you. But I'm not doing it on, on an iDevice anymore. Oh my gosh, yeah, that that's a pain. Yeah, I, I you know, I, as most people know, I I go to YouTube. Go for these days. <laughs> I go to personally uh, while you're looking at that. I I just go to YouTube and find the songs that look like from the soundtrack that got the most hits. Very scientific approach to it. Unless unless there are suggestions from any of us, right? Preempt that. Ad. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes Often there are. Yeah, sometimes uh, the staff on the show will say, hey, Phil, make sure you get this song on, and I will. Yeah, odds are I'll be picking the music for this episode. I'll uh, send you two or three tracks by email tomorrow. There you go. Yeah, because usually the the ones that y'all pick are really good. The uh, Let's see, the one called Tech Side writes, I decided to stick the game, which we were talking about in New Vegas, uh, on his Steam wish list after, the sh- after listening to the show. He says, I'll grab it the next time there's a sale and my wallet is feeling cooperative. He said that he's curious about two things and, and maybe you can answer these. Uh, he says, was uh, Caesar's Legion related to Caesar's Palace? No. And then he doesn't really quite ask a second question. There's just some more comments. 
Oh, you're right. I'm curious. I love to see the layout game. I've been in Vegas a few times. You know, the strip reasonably well. Kind of just got so excited about that first question. Never really got onto a second one. That's yeah, funny. there's not really a second question not, not, there. Not a second question there, Tex. <laughs> you always look question. I do like the way he phrased uh, his next observation. He said, I, I listened to this one in the Etrian Odyssey podcast while I was driving from Austin to Houston and back for a few days later on a business trip. Periodically, I end up shouting, loudly encouraging other drivers to change their destination to a particular portion of the Judeo-Christian afterlife and Actually, then felt the sort of guilty. The, the Jews don't have that particular region of the cosmology available to them. No, as I understand, the, the devil is not a part of Jew philosophy in any regard. So, okay, we'll Or just, his realm. We'll edit his post at some point. Just the Christian afterlife then. And then he said, oh, man, I totally interrupted Mike. Or, geez, I yelled over Scott and Sam. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, it is an on-demand medium. You can certainly go back and listen to old episodes as much as you like. That is the beauty of RPG Backtrack. You can you can listen to it over and over again. Um, so, yeah, pretty funny. He said, I, I like the Etrian Odyssey one, too. I'd only played the first, but picked up Untold Stories recently. I love that one. So, more praise for Untold Stories. Or un, which, untold we, story. which we didn't even talk about. Because, which we didn't even uh, talk about. Because <laughs> it's not two years old yet. Well, so. Etrian Odyssey 4 wasn't two years old yet, either. But it also didn't have much of a story to spoil. <laughs> Uh, this is true, but uh, we did touch on that just a tiny bit because we were like, yeah, if you if you're dying to play, you know, there are completions out there. Who are like, hey, I want to play the whole series. Well, instead of playing the original Etrianasi, we did say go ahead and play on you know Etrianasi Untold Story because that's essentially the first game, just better, made isn't, better. Isn't it just called Untold? Maybe it is Untold. I keep thinking Untold no, Stories. I don't yeah. think there's a story. There is a story now. Dang it! I've added it. <laughs> there's a. <laughs> There's the Millennium Girl in there somewhere, but I don't think there's a story. All righty. Fair enough. So you two can leave uh, your games at board.rpgamer.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you like us to talk about. We'd be happy to oblige whenever possible. Our next show is RPG Backtrack number 128, House of the Devil. Where we'll be talking about Shimigami Tensei, Devil Survivor, Devil Survivor, and Devil Survivor Overclocked, as well as Shimigami Tensei, Devil Survivor Two. We kind of have to talk about Devil Survivor and Overclocked because Overclocked is yeah, a pretty much of yeah, them. yeah. It's kind of like Etrian Odyssey and Etrian Odyssey, untold stories that you never heard of before with Millennium Girls. And, and I understand Mr. Apps will be with us for that. Yes, I love those games. Shimigami Tensei. Yeah, uh, I picked up. Uh, I didn't play the original when it first came out. I picked up the 3DS one just to see what it was all about and had put in 60 hours before I knew what happened. Okay, I'd say it did something right then. Yeah. Hmm. But we, we shouldn't get into that now. We'll, we'll be talking about that quite soon, actually. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Other kitchen sink stuff. Did... Perspective vis-a-vis time travel and podcastery. What's that? Two days or two weeks, depending on your perspective. Uh, <laughs> your take, you know, time travel, podcasting this. All right. Uh, so, other kitchen sink stuff. Did one of y'all really ask me in the last segment what was, or did, maybe it was somebody who already left the show because uh, Sam and Jonathan had to to take off? Did one of y'all two ask me what Path of Exile was? Yes. Uh, oh, I, I, it was because I guess I yeah. read something about it. <laughs> Path of, Path of Exile is 
a free-to-play Diablo clone, or as Scott affectionately calls them. Third-person looters. Third-person looters. Just me. It is, in fact, a news department policy. Thank you. <laughs> well, you'll be happy. Well, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you on principle there, Scott. I kind of see what you're saying. But uh, Path of Exile is one of those games that does inspire people to 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 really want to say Diablo clone because in many ways, uh, Path of Exile feels more like a natural sequel to Diablo two than Diablo three does. Uh, it, it's it, it's it feels darker uh, than Diablo three. It, uh, it it has the 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 fact that your choices are more permanent, like Diablo two. Um, it, it it just to a lot in, in many players' opinions who felt like Diablo three very strayed too far from the formula. Uh, that Diablo three doesn't really feel like a true sequel as far as gameplay and atmosphere goes. They feel like Path of Exile is a is a better quote unquote sequel. But uh, it is free to play and. Um, uh, aside from looking like a high resolution version of Diablo 2 and, and playing similar in many ways, uh, one of the interesting things, if you're going to rip off of people, rip off of the good games. Diablo 2 is a good one to rip off. Another one is Final Fantasy X, where they have just ripped off the, uh, the, the sphere grid system of leveling up. It is much more massive in this game. I mean, I think someone counted over a thousand nodes at one point. Uh, but there's hundreds of nodes to pick from, and just like I don't think that count as ripping off the sphere grid system anymore, because technically the sphere grid was a line. What was a line? What do you mean it's a line? Like one it's a series line? of lines that they have arranged spherically, so you think you're making choices, but you're really not. I, there were choices. I like there were different directions you, I could go. After a while. Were, it, it wasn't at the beginning, but it was once you got far enough in the game, you started branching off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a line kind of at the beginning. Well, you will have that problem with Path of Exile because right from the beginning, every class has two distinct uh, di- uh, directions it can go. And then even those will branch off pretty quickly. You will find yourself looking down the tree and strategizing what direction you want to go well in advance because there are so many different paths you can you can take off on but uh similar diablo 2 those decisions are pretty hard to reverse uh you might be able to go back one or two steps i think you get some very rare items that let you uh take a step back or two where you're at the sphere grid but otherwise you're pretty much locking in your decisions um speaking of final fantasy they also borrow the final fantasy 7 materia system your weapons have color-coded uh, holes in them, uh, and you will find gems, and you'll be able to lock in those gems by matching them up, and some of them are junctioned together. Uh, those gems actually have your skills that you'll... Uh, they I, I can't think of any of them have passive bonuses. The, the, the Sphere Grid, by the way, is all about passive bonuses. You're not unlocking special attacks or anything in that Sphere Grid. You're basically unlocking stat progression and other uh, passive attribute bonuses and the such whereas how you slot your weapons determines what type of special attacks you have and uh for example you might have a you might have a skill that lets you throw your sword out like link does if you junction that in the same line with the triple rune you'll throw out three swords going in three different directions rather than just one sword junction it with the fire rune and he are throwing out a fire version of a sword you know that type of stuff so there's definitely some customization uh, that you can do in there. Another thing I found interesting is there. I don't believe there is any currency. Maybe there. I don't remember getting any gold. Uh, basically, you barter. 
you trade for everything. Um, so it kind of felt like to me like the wisdom scroll. There's scrolls of wisdom that let you identify items. Those, for me anyways, was kind of like my base currency. So when I had stuff I didn't want, I traded it for wisdom scrolls. And when there was stuff I wanted, I traded wisdom scrolls for it. So I thought that was kind of an interesting design decision. But you weren't walking around with 215,000 gold pieces. Uh, it was really about you know what kind of inventory you had when you were trading out with the NPCs. So it's free to play. It's free to check out. There are microtransactions, of course, but the microtransactions, from what I can tell, are purely cosmetic. Does your character glow? Does he have a little fetish pet that follows him around, that giggles? That sort of stuff. So it's definitely worth uh, downloading and looking at. It doesn't cost you anything. And you can get it easily enough on Steam. There you go. That's it. Now you're excited, aren't you? You're already on Steam looking to download it, aren't you? Aren't you, Apps? Uh no no okay <laughs> you've no. had you've had I a, don't really uh, third person looters aren't really my cup of tea no I I'm with you there chief yeah. I I played it for a bit and uh <laughs> I didn't even beat that one I it's out of my yeah. system um anywho let's uh, let's do a final lap where you guys or final lap <laughs> let's do the kitchen sink segment mini sink I don't even know what we call this stuff anymore let's just what you guys just talk about whatever you're working on the site whatever you want to chat about we'll start with Mr Scott. Uh, well, by the time you're listening to this, my review of the Player's Handbook of 5th Edition is out. Oh, I can't wait. Is, I mean, it's out right now? No, no, until they listen to it, which is like when I edit it a week from now. It's out, so you could probably buy it and see, decide for yourself, which is always a valid option. You can uh, probably see what my thoughts are on it, which are that, hey, it's it's okay, but the Wizards business model will probably destroy it inside two years. But <laughs> it does. And uh, depending on how things shake out, you'll also be seeing uh, text for either my review of the uh, tier first half of their big launch adventure, Horde of the Dragon Queen, which is terrible, Ooh. or uh, a preview of Feng Shui 2nd Edition, which is awesome. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of what I got going on. Obviously, there's going to be another episode of the app active topical banter show dropping it is uh trent and michael uh michael cunningham yelling at each other about whether or not the vita is viable for the future (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that that's gonna be a tough one sounds fiery yeah it it is it is that that there was that there was much bile and haterade shared by all (laughs) haterade (laughs) wow Positive news, it appears that my new, I have the new RAM I installed on my computer fixed my problem, so now I can do computer stuff again without every three hours. Yay, RAM. Don't buy G-Skills, that's the other thing. Don't buy G-Skills RAM sticks. They apparently break. Yuck. Let's write that down somewhere so that everybody knows. That, that's that's my PC hardware review of the week. G-Skill, G-Skill <laughs> Riptaws, they broke on me. I Ooh. hate them now. Buy Kingston instead. I only picked Kingston because it was on sale today at the computer store. Too funny. Okay. How about you, Mr. Reps? Uh, I've been playing lots and lots of Natural Doctrine for review which is a strategy RPG being published by NIS America and developed by, oh, God, what the heck is the name of that? Katakawa 
Katakawa. I don't know. Katakawa. Not have games division, right? Yeah. Not Idea Factory. Not, not. Yes, that's always important. Not Idea Factory. Yeah, I, I think it's Katakawa. They're, they're mostly a publishing company, but they're in they're 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 in the animes and the games world as well. Yeah, uh, they actually own uh, From Software now, which is weird and different. Uh, yes, which I have mixed feelings about, but it's another topic. Uh, I think it's better doc- to go to a publishing a a manga publisher than a video game publisher at this point. Yeah. So, Natural Doctrine is a pretty uh, interesting strategy RPG. Um, the one thing I will tell you right out of the bat is that you get a game over if any of your characters die. So, whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, oh yes. you can just stop right there. Uh oh, don't let oh, Miki, don't let hear Miki hear that. Don't, I'm out, guys. I'm out. <laughs> I. I if you've heard Minky's rant on the Shimigami Tensei games where, you know, of course you probably already know when the main hero dies the game's out. Okay, imagine what you just said. That's just blasphemy. Well, yeah. It it certainly has a learning curve because you have to learn to not be stupid. Uh, <laughs> you have to learn not to play the game. <laughs> yes. Well, and the early game is pretty rough and then you get a giant golem that you can use as a big movable wall and then things get a lot better and a lot more fun and it's actually a really good strategy RPG so um, although also still very weird because there's a lot you can do with like turn manipulation like um, there's a bar on the top of the screen that shows all the upcoming turns so you can like uh, link some of your characters' turns together and kill the next enemy coming up, and then have a, then you'll get your next character's turn, and then they can link with a bunch of other characters, and uh, basically lots of stuff like that. So, um, despite the pretty brutal at times difficulty, uh, it, there's a lot of cool strategy options and. One nice thing about it is uh, the skill trees for all your characters, you can respec whenever the heck you want. Not mm. in the middle of combat, of course, but like between missions, you can say, oh, this didn't really work out. I'm going to take a few points from here and put a few points up here, get some, try some different skills. Well, now I'm uh, looking at the game, and nothing seems encouraging. Like, it hasn't <laughs> sold of a lot in Japan. No. And Fitsu gave it a 30 out of 40, which is, I think, the lowest score they are allowed to give. <laughs> now, hey, hey, Scott, uh, uh, you know you know what I heard, right? I heard, when one person dies, the game is over. Blah, 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 <laughs> That's definitely about what I'm feeling here. No, I'm just messing yeah, with your mind. Uh, <laughs> just, well, it was I, too easy. Someone actually told me that apparently Japanese gamers found the game too difficult. So... Wow! Yeah, efforts. Like I mean, it does. It is purely for Koreans now. (laughs) I mean, it's got selectable difficulty, so you can kind of plan easy, and it's not not going to be that brutal. It's just kind of. I mean, there's not really any games that have that particular aspect, so it's you. You kind of have to go at it from a completely different mindset, which can be really hard. Uh, not for me because I'm crazy, but 
I'm sure for most. See, now I'm looking at other things Katakawa has made, and I think this is the first thing that they've released in North America at this point. Uh, no, Demon Gaze, the last game I just reviewed, was actually published, published by them in Japan. Okay. But I think that was... Um, I, th- I think that might be about it, yeah. Oh, wait, High School DXD. That might be a thing that came out here. What the heck is that? Okay, in that case, it's just a terrible anime I'm familiar with. <laughs> oh, hmm. they, they see, they've published a bunch of things that have come out, but I think it's the first time they've developed something that's come out over here. Uh, oh, yeah, one other thing about this game. Um, the final string of missions, which is like three different battles, um, your characters can die and permanently die. Hooray! So... <laughs> Uh, just think about what they do to what how difficult those missions are that they put that in there. Think about that for a second. Uh, so, so this is supposed to be a, a point of relaxation or a point of <laughs> what was already uh, going to induce ulcers is now going to induce hospitalizations. <laughs> uh, I mean, the last mission is really really tough, but really, um, I haven't found the game all that difficult. Beyond some, a few early missions, surprisingly. Well, it does me. sound like this is how Fire Emblem players often go, and if you remove the option of <laughs> continuing the level after somebody dies, then that's one way to do it. Yeah, and that, and there's actually a lot more in the way of defensive options than Fire Emblem, so it's just a matter of kind of thinking from a defensive perspective instead of, I'm going to throw all my guys at you and hope I have a few left at the end. Okay. 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 I know. Just listening from what you're saying, I, I think I know who, who this game is for. If you're that person out there who loves Fire Emblem, even like when one of your characters to the point where one of your characters die, you don't even question it. You reset the game, you reload, and you do it over and over again until all your characters make it through, anyways. Then I guess it doesn't matter about that rule that you threw out there. This is the game for you <laughs> because the game just cuts to the chase. You don't have to go and hit the reset button. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> It's helping you out. It's helping you out. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't have to wear out the power switch by constantly flexing it. Nope, nope, it's saving you all that trouble. <laughs> I mean, it could have put something like Resurrection Herbs or something along those lines into the game, um, or like some other games just resurrected your whole party, but you don't have to every battle. But no, 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 no. We're just going to give nope. you a game over screen. Game over. Sorry. Have Try a again. Nice prizes waiting for oh, you in the back. There, there are at least uh, like checkpoints in some battles. Oh, so that's there you so go. you can restart from the checkpoint instead of restarting. So that's something. Well, that is something which you will also see in the most recent Fire Emblems. In the recent Fire Emblem, yeah, I was about to say. I, I know we can do that. Cool. Uh, anything else on your uh, now nah, I don't know whether or not I want to read that review when you post it um, <laughs> <laughs> you should you should because there's, it's an interesting game so uh, anything uh, anything else on your heart and mind this evening um, I got Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call several days Ooh, early Okay. somehow even though I ordered it from Square Enix's uh, Digital River Store so I've been enjoying that and it's great fun hmm okay cool um yeah I've, I've heard nothing but good things uh, about that if you're into um rhythm based games and you like final fantasy this is the definitive game that you want to own yes is what i've been told 
Also, I've been playing lots of Destiny. And how is that? I really like it. Uh, some people uh, probably won't and probably don't. Uh, but it's def- it's scratching the Halo-ish itch I've been looking for. Hmm. Now, is is that game, does it have a good single-player deal to it? What's that? That there kind of isn't a single-player. Oh, that there isn't? It's yeah. so good that it's just not there. I mean, you can play it single-player, but it's kind of intended to be co-op to some it's extent. Like- MMO on PVE alone is, I guess, the the issue. Ah, uh, yeah, sort of, sort of, but it, 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 like the the story missions play out sort of like Halo missions that just happen to take place in an MMO type world. Like to the to the extent when you finish a mission, it it sends you back to orbit, to, so you can go select a new mission or whatever. So it like it uh, you're. Hu- you're also sort of the lobby. Like, your quest hub is also an MMO lobby. Right. Hmm. So it's it's interesting. Uh, it doesn't doesn't feel as much like an MMO to me as, uh, say, I don't know, some other sort of MMO games. Firefall, Planetside, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and plus, it's got the competitive multiplayer that's uh, definitely very Halo inspired. So, oh, it's different. It's not G- perfect. It has that one trick of sci-fi shooter? Yeah, uh, it's not perfect. I was hoping for something. I don't know, something a bit more. But you know, this is supposedly a ten-year project, so we'll see how it goes. Uh how lo- how long before it turns out to be a marathon spinoff like everything else they do? Uh, I would love if that would happen. You have no idea. <laughs> kind of is a marathon. Sp- everything Bungie releases is kind of a marathon spinoff. Yeah, I'm okay with this. They, they, they will introduce an AI and it will go rampant. And there you go. Ooh, and maybe someday it'll just give me the marathon remake I've always dreamed of. The marathon remake we all deserve. Yes. It's not the one you want. It's the one you deserve. Okay. Anything else? No, we got the one we deserved with that uh, con- that Xbox 360 port of Marathon. It was it was harsh. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lale, how about you, Mister Minky? Well, let's see. When was it? Last week that uh, our PC version review, Trails of the Sky review, went up with its acronym that I was actually begged by Mac not to use again because apparently jokes along those lines have been used so often that he wanted to just knock it off. Get out. At least that's what he told me. (laughs) No, no. We we had run out of clever things to use (laughs) acronym. We had tapped L. It was done. Although technically, I think the PC port opened up a few more options, just uh, for comparisons to other things one might do with one's PC. It's true, but I, I couldn't come up with anything, <laughs> so I just said scratch it. And you know what? Someone can turn that into a joke. Go for it. Uh, you, you know what? Charles in the Sky. It's uh, it's a pretty good game. I, I can't say that it was the greatest thing. I've ever played in my life, but I'm I'm glad I played it. it shows me that uh, 
to people at Ecstasy to know what it's all about with translating these Falcom things. I like those other Legend of Heroes translations that, <laughs> that, that Mac and uh, Severin were on here talking about a number of episodes back and couldn't even really recommend it all. Um, I also just finished something called Rhyme Berta, and I have our very own Sam to thank for that because she suggested that I could play it, and she sent me the code, and I was so lucky that I got this indie PC tactical RPG from Japan, and you know you're in for a good time when there's a repeated line of text on the very first screen of the game. <laughs> uh, I will say this, Scott. I caught up on my active topical banter shows that I hadn't listened to in the background while playing this thing. It it helped greatly. All, all eight of them now. Not even. The eighth one is yet to be released. Yeah, if it had been out, I would have listened to it while playing through the last couple of battles because the music is fine, but it it's just that kind of pleasant stuff you can listen to and then forget about 30 seconds later. And there's some kind of subtext at work here because everything doing the fighting is what they call a puppet and the puppets are under the control of girls who are called guardians and the puppets are all female too and I I suppose I could read into it but it's really not that interesting uh, I wish I had been able to use my controller for this I don't like playing this tactical game with my mouse only especially when I have to shift the damn isometric view all the freaking time and shift the angle of view because the, when you are trying to click on a character and it's in a canyon and you can't quite get there, that's just irritating as hell. And I have to mention the beautiful, beautiful AI of this game, which is probably the only reason I was able to complete it. The second to last battle. I've beaten a few enemies. There's a group of four coming at me. I'm feeling good about myself because I should be able to handle this. Wamph. By the time it's over... Four of my five people are dead, and it's three on one now. The enemy, the computer could kill me. It could. Instead, the two spellcasters who just rip me to shreds seemingly forget that they have the ability to cast spells. They just wander around and let my archer peck them to death. It takes four attacks each, and they just kind of sit, sit there and take it. And then the other enemy archer comes along, having been wandering around for about six turns out of range to do anything, and starts shooting at me. I get I get back a little bit. I let the archer come out, and then once I start attacking, that archer just kind of sits there and takes it too. Just forgets that I'm there, forgets that it could counterattack me. And that's how I won, because the AI was just that stupid. And then one of the enemies that I dropped wanted to join me after the battle because I just did such a great commander job. I don't know. I think I think he just saw that he was surrounded by idiots and that his only option for survival was to defect. Her. Keep in mind, all of them are women. There are no men in this game at all. So it passes the Bechdel test, is what you're saying. Yep. So that proves that it passes the Bechdel test and nothing <laughs> else, because that's how that test works, kids. Sorry, Tumblr. <laughs> oh, and I know Phil will love it when I talk about this part. Because Phil loves hidden rules that the game never explains. Oh, yeah. Right, Phil? Those are just, like, so awesome. I just love it when I put, you know, like, sit down and play a game, spend hours in it, and my character becomes completely ineffective because the game never bothered to explain to me even what the freaking skills do. Stupid games. Oh, you get – there's your basic attack option. Everybody has that. You have six other slots you can fit with things like attack up, 
uh, a reaction ability to stop enemy spellcasters if they're in range, things like that. Usually your character's rolling a lot more than six other things, but you're stuck with those six slots. So It's like the Pokemans. Yeah. Well, they, they don't talk at all, so they might as well be Pokemans. They don't even... Actually, no, they're less like Pokemans because they don't even shout out their own name. Uh, so there's a, there's a class change option. You can class change if you pump up certain skills. What are those skills, you might ask? That's a great question, and it would be lovely if the game would tell you. It doesn't. So you have to just level up various skills and see, oh, this one's at level three now. Can I class change? Nope, must not have been that one. Doesn't that sound great, Phil? Hmm, that sounds awesome. Love it. It's like multi-classing to Bard in second edition. <laughs> Take a level of everything and see if that works. Oh, and there's also this option, because you can only have five characters in battle, there's a way to make all the superfluous characters useful, which is to fuse them to the people in your battle team. And that has a benefit. I don't know what it is, really, because you can't see it until after the fusion is done. I freaking looked at the online manual, and it shows me a screen that allow that shows the before and after, I can't reach that screen in the game. I have no idea where it came from. Anyway, you fuse, you get, I don't know, stat-ups of three or four. It's, it's better than nothing, but it's not exactly game-breaking. <laughs> and, oh, the final boss is a piece of crap, too. It's the kind of thing where the AI, for once, actually decided that it was going to... Con- to make a concentrated effort to beat the crap out of me instead of wandering around like a fool. And it did. Because the final boss has an ability that, uh, yeah, roasted my entire team alive and then the one survivor was promptly killed by somebody else. And that was nice. That was, that was very, very nice. Sounds like more fun gameplay mechanics. You know it, Phil. It was... You know, I don't think this game honestly deserves me talking about it that much more. A review will go up soon. And then everyone can see, yep, this is a game. It exists. And now you see why there is all of one other review on the entire English internet so far, even though it came out a month ago. What are the user scores like? Does those matter? (laughs) Uh, Talking about where. Metacritic can't even rank it because there's only one review. (laughs) I'm so sad about that. There's absolutely... There's a GameFAQs listing for the game, but nobody is talking about it in the GameFAQs forums. I think that says something. What about Gaff? Did they care? Didn't check Gaff. Anyway, there. That's what I've been playing recently. By the time we next record, I hope to have started up Vagrant Story and can say something about that. What's the name of that game again? Rhymeberta. You'll see the review go up soon. I've already gotten one proof done. And... I just want to mention the movie because nobody will ever mistake that title for anything else. <laughs> you, you always wanted to see Struther Martin trying to save the world by turning Dirk Benedict into a King Cobra, right? Totally. Because that I, I, is... I need Apollo to be a Cobra. He was Apollo, right? He wasn't Starbuck. No, he was Starbuck. Starbuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, you will get to see that. He he gets a final injection that turns him from some kind of snake man into a full-on King Cobra. And that the trailer actually spoils the last shot of the movie where poor girlfriend shows up and sees her boyfriend, now a King Cobra, being beaten to a pulp by a mongoose. 
Most girlfriends still never have better. to go through that. Still sounds better than Battlestar Galactica in 1980. Well, it. Oh, and you get to see Reb Brown get bit by a black mamba. Not Reb Brown. He can't die. He's too awesome for that. He pissed off Struther Martin. But but roll Fizzlebeef. <laughs> this I guess Struther Martin somehow. What, what, there was a failure to communicate. What can we say? <laughs> Never piss off a guy who actually has a King Cobra and a Black Mamba in his house. So there, there's there's your 70s dose of horror, which surprisingly hasn't been remade. I can't imagine why. And that's probably enough for now. What what have you been up to, Phil? Why, why were you not on the last episode? I don't remember. It was all a blur. Oh, was it a blur? Gosh, that was a nightmarish week. Huh. Was it like long two? Five. It was Two's. bad. Yeah, business trips are not fun, and they seem to be sending me on a lot this year. They are really, really not fun. It was like uh, I was staying in this hotel that was something out of uh, one of Mike Meeky's movies. The, the place was all worn down. There's loud noises coming from whoever's next door to me. <clears throat> At one point, I'm looking for the fitness facility, and just like any red-blooded American male, I'm not going to stop and ask the front desk. I'm going to look around myself and find it. And um, and in the hotel that I work at here in Utah, our fitness facility is down in, in the basement. It's called the LL, the lower level. A lot of hotels have a lower level. Well, I look at the elevator, and there's an LL. And that's usually, you know, that's the place where you'll find this stuff a lot of times. So I hit LL. <clears throat> So the doors open up, and in front of me is the most dilapidated uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But they, they just cleaned everything. Run down. Run down but they – it used to be um, um, a health and massage type of parlor, and it – clearly they had abandoned this like two years ago and took all their equipment and everything and all that's left is like hanging electrical cords and creaking sounds but right in front of all of this dilapidated mess was a support uh, pillar for the hotel with this nude woman painted on the front so I had to take a this picture. This was in Florida, right? This was just in Florida. I guess they never bothered to deactivate the elevator to go down to this dilapidated floor there's no reason for it to allow guests to go down there so i i walked around being curious i walked around a bit i mean it was just horrid i mean there's cockroaches everywhere and brown water and i mean no one's been down there in ages it looked like um you but, said this was the health center yeah yeah well it, it definitely turned into the unhealth center real quick um yeah just just a really you know just a really bad the whole hotel was in was clearly showing its age and uh, my understanding was that the owner was planning on selling the property and having it demolished and somebody's going to build something nicer there. So he wasn't going to put any more money into it. People were staying there at really cheap rates, I guess. The, the, the nice thing was it, it is right there on Miami Beach, so I could see the uh, the ocean from my room. They were nice enough to put me in a good view. Um, so the best I could hope for was just escaping out of my room so I could go go walk on the beach where I quickly found out that English is no longer the native language in that section of the country. Is it Spanish or something else? You know, I, I'd like to tell you, I'm not super sure. I mean, I, I do do a little Spanish. Um, I'm sure a lot of it was probably Spanish or at least a Spanish dialect. But um, yeah, I, I just kind of just felt lost and alone. At least the bartender was able to figure out what a Budweiser was. Um so I was able to get a beer. Uh, I, 
call that one a beer, Phil. I'm 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 sorry. I think we we're, we're gonna have to have a disagreement on nomenclature. Uh, well, I forget exactly what kind of beer I got. I'm just uh, I, whatever it was. I said he he knew what it was. So we hope so. Otherwise, the bartender should be out of job. Oh, it was just it was just it was an experience. That's that's all I can say. Um, and, and then what happened in the parking lot? The 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 parking lot was super full. Rather than park to the overflow lot across the street, people had parked right behind my car. So when I got up at six a.m. to catch or get up at five a.m. to catch a flight, and I backed out, I you know I thought I had enough space. I didn't. <laughs> so Enterprise will be contacting me soon <laughs> to have a discussion about paying for the the, the scratch on the back bumper of the uh, Hyundai Accent I was driving. Yay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But um, hmm, I I. Conversation to talk about how uh, the, uh, the the Ford uh, Fiat is a much better subcompact. You know, I would have just been happy with anything that would have been able to get out of there without uh, necessarily racking up car repair bills. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anywho, um, traveling does give you some quality time with your portables, and I got to I got to find out the hard way that I am not a fan of Super Mario sixty four. <laughs> That's allowed. I think I, I think that port didn't help it much. Yeah, I, I don't know. No, well, uh, I've never played the game, so I, but it was designed with the N sixty four analog stick in mind, right? And taking that away doesn't help. No, no, it doesn't. Um, I I think what's frustrating for me is I'm used to uh, like I I grew up playing Mario one, Mario three, etc., and it's almost similar to my feelings with RPGs where. Mario 1 and Mario 3 does have secret items, but they're completely, you know, they're completely optional. Whereas in Mario, I'm having to figure out where half the stars, you know, how to obtain half the stars. They're either hidden or it's a matter of figuring out what event you have to trigger or collecting so many of the red coins or collecting 100 gold coins. And I don't think you have to find all of them to beat the game. That's not the impression I'm given, but... But clearly, I'm not finding enough to unlock the next door. And the icing on the cake was, and I don't know if this is a DS remake special or not, but there's Boo's Castle. Uh, you play Super Mario, or uh, I, I, you know, new Super, or I'm sorry, Super weren't Mario there, World. Weren't there some new characters for the DS version, like Wario and? Oh yeah, go go ahead and look up the FAQs on how to unlock those guys, because that's even more fun. Which I don't hold again. I don't hold that against it because if that's you don't need the hidden characters to beat the game. At the end of the day, if it's not something I can figure out, I'm not going to waste ten hours. I'm not going to go look up and you know an FAQ. But but it's the stars that were driving me crazy, Mike. The stars because in other in the Mario games I'm used to playing, and, and including New Super Mario Brothers or whatever, you get to the end. You go on to the next world. It's that easy. Um, in this one, it's like you'll do a world, and usually the first time you run through it, getting it to the end, you'll beat a boss. That'll get you your first star. But every every um, board, whatever you want, I don't want to say world because world makes me think of seven different boards in one. Uh, every land, as you may call it, has seven stars in it. The next star you may find by uh, – it going and releasing the chomp chomp off his chain by jumping on the the pole that's holding him in another one will be there in every world there's eight red coins finding all red eight coins get you another star in every world there's a hundred gold coins guess what that's another star as you know but but there's usually some sort of objectives and some of them are very clear 
Like, beat the bunny to the bottom of the mountain. Okay, as soon as that, that game starts, there's a big bunny. Go and talk to him. He wants to race me to the bottom. Okay, I can do that. But some of them, some of the clues they give you are a little bit more archaic, and I, I guess I'm just stupid. Because, of course, plenty of people have beat this game, probably without a fact. I'm just... Yeah. Plus, my hand was getting. Yeah, I think, like you said, the control mechanism doesn't help either because it is a it is a digital control. It should have an analog stick. Um, I did suffer maybe a couple of deaths because of that. That was a little irritating. The camera control isn't super awesome, but the icing on the cake was Boo's Castle because I got in and I couldn't get out. And they joke with you at the beginning, like, "Haha, you're not getting out of your life." They weren't kidding. I, I couldn't figure out. I gave up on on Boo's Castle, Boo's Haunted Mansion. I'm sorry, Boo the Ghost. And there's so much camera wackiness going on there because the one the one place that that 3D camera does not excel is in tight corners, and it's Boo's Haunted Mansion, so you're always in these small rooms. It, it was just a totally different experience than what, you know, Super Mario World or Super Mario 3 or something where you were going through those areas. It's just I'd much rather go back and play one of those. I'll I'll have to see if I feel the same way when I get around to playing Super Mario Galaxy one day. We'll see. I, I don't see a portable version of that being available for a while. No, I've got it sitting on my Wii. Picked them up on the store on sale or something. So I, I'm just kind of curious now whether I'm going to like those because I totally don't really like Super News or whatever that game was called. Whatever I just talked F- about. Phil? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't worry about the Galaxy games. They're a lot uh, easier to figure out than uh, Super Mario 64. You're not going to be wandering around trying to figure out where the heck do I go to get this dang star? Yeah, where do I gotta go to get those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so, just. I think I think that Galaxy will be more your style. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, um, I got the disc, so I'll sit down one day and, and start hacking away at those. Played uh, Play Borshigami Tensei Strange Journey. I'm on like How over long seven, have you been playing that? 70 hours according to the in-game clock, which is probably actually about 20 less because how many times have I died and reloaded and stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still making progress. I think that one thing about that game is I continue to make progress. It's just so huge. It's just It's just huge. Where where are you? Exactly. Uh, let's see here. I think I'm in the final dungeon. It begins with the letter H. It's longer than hell, and it looks like hell because it's like lots of flames and stuff in certain areas. And I beat uh, Jimenez or Jimenez or whatever his name is. Yeah, and he was really tough. Uh, but he's finally down. Huh. I made. I'm in that dungeon right now, and that came too. Except I made it there in 40 hours. Yeah, well, you know, Phil's not as lead as you are. <laughs> I take wow, you... we don't hear the word lead too often nowadays. Yeah. I'm old school like we that. Back, I can do that for you. What's that? Uh, we we can bring that back if you want. We can make it happen. Honestly, it sounds better than some of the current slang. <laughs> um, I you know, I'm I'm also doing the a lot of these get uh, with. With Shimagami Tensei Stranger, I'm usually like working out and stuff while I'm playing it, so I'm not probably playing as quickly as I could. I do take my time and I grind a lot. Um, so I was pretty proud that I beat uh, Jimenez or whatever his name is uh, without too, too, too much difficulty. Yeah, yeah that game is tough. So really, um, it, to make it that far is uh, is uh, certainly an accomplishment. I know. I'm feeling the, 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 the accomplishment. Yeah. So. We'll see. Um, gosh, it's just uh, like I mentioned on the last backtrack. It's just those darn invisible walls and invisible corridors and stuff that drive me crazy. 
because now they just seem absolutely necessary. But now I'm just used to actually hitting every single wall with my head to see if it's real or not. <laughs> so that's slowing me down too. <clears throat> They'd probably be much faster if I just found a fact in a printed map and went with that. But nope, I'm not doing it. I'm going to get through this thing. That is the non-leet way of doing it. That's you right. Do... Phil, it sounds like you are not leet. I'm not leeted yet. Well, I will be if I beat the game without uh, um, without relying on a fact. So, um, yeah. And, of course, I'm still playing away Dragon Warrior 3. I am absolutely humbled and just surprised and awestruck that there were, like, three people on our forums that I had posted up the last th- – you know, posted up my last log entry on Dragon Warrior 3, my progress there uh, last week. And somebody said, hey, I'm glad you did this, Phil. That's awesome. And I'm like, thanks. I didn't even know anybody even really cared. I pretty much do this for myself so I don't forget about, you know, what I did 10 years from now. Yeah, the two other people chipped in. So now there's three people. Yay. <laughs> so, yeah. you got fans, Phil. I got fans. So if you're if you're bored, uh, you can always read about my, my exploits. Um, I post a log there about every week or two. Um, of my progress in dra- an old school game, Dragon Warrior 3. Of course, you can listen to Backtrack, and eventually we'll have another RPG Trek segment once I get through with this game, and I'll tell you, take off the rose-colored glasses and tell you whether or not it's still a fun game. Uh, anywho, that's all for me. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. Scott and Mr. Apps, and the other two had to leave, Mr. Jonathan and Marshmallow. She will always be Marshmallow to you, right? She will be in my heart. She's a little squishy white puff puff, um, which I shouldn't say Scott's on because that's, that's going to – yeah. <laughs> uh, so instead, I'll simply remind our audience that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news reviews and home to the best RP gaming community on the net. So check out – all of our stuff over on our website at rpgamer.com. Uh, you can also leave your comments on our boards. You can email me, jcservant, at cyberlightcomics.com. Mr. Mike Minky is albertodyssey at hotmail.com. You can shoot us off an email, help shape our future shows. Follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer. I'm twitter.com forward slash jcservant. He is Mike Minky. What are you? Forward slash twitter.com forward slash jumason. Yes, and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash forward slash rpgamer. As always, you can listen to our huge library of previous podcasts over at rpgamer.com, as well as listen to our two awesome sister shows, the RPG Cast and the Active Topical Banter. That's all at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mickey, put us to bed. I should have something amazing to say about Captain Shepard, and yet I, I don't really. It's all been said before tonight. Okay, good night, everybody. In- Go to space when you can and enjoy travel. And I, I don't know. I'm rambling. Night. <laughs>